1: Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, this is Levin's, and this episode of Serious Issues of Witty Comic Book Podcast is brought to you by me. Specifically, my five other po- my five ah. podcasts, including this one.
2: You know, I was going to um, buy you some tea as a, like, take care of your voice this week <laughs> thing, but then I forgot that that's as good as the present, right?
1: Yeah, totally. The thought is always what counts. Plus, there's plenty of tea here. Yeah. Anyway, stop interrupting hate. the ad, Siobhan. I so paid sorry. good money for this ad. i so sorry. I've got five podcasts out there on the internet. This is one of them, and the other ones include Hey Fam, Old Raps, um, The Mitchin, which has been going on a long hiatus and yeah. uh, is coming back, and All The Small Games. And guess what, Siobhan? All of those come up, all those podcasts are coming out this week. I'm releasing one of those pod, uh, one episode of all those podcasts each day of the week. Wow! So today is serious issues. Tomorrow is the Mitchin. Mm-hmm. Wednesday is all the small games. Thursday is Hey Fam, and Friday is Old Raps. Cool. It's a lot of levens.
2: Lot of levens. Big week elevens
1: If you listen to every single one of those episodes, there is a secret message encoded oh, for gosh. those of you. Uh, you know, you'll be rewarded. So uh, I'm going to give you the first part of the secret message. It is www.... Whoa!
2: That's that's almost convinced me to listen to all of them. <laughs> but I lived with Mitch. I lived in the Mitchin. Yep. I don't need to listen to the
1: Mitchin. R- just because of that? But you'll listen to the rest of it? Yeah, obviously. Well, obviously, if you know what the, what www. comes beforehand, the I think listening to the Mitchin is a pretty integral part of the secret yeah. message. So... Anyway. <laughs> Special Levin's <laughs> week of podcast. Um uh, please, you know, go give them a try. Maybe, maybe, that, maybe they won't be for you, but at the very least, you'll get a fun, stupid, secret message that could reward you with something even funner than listening to seven hours of my voice in one week,
2: which is already a treat.
1: Okay, take it away with the show, <laughs> serious issues. Thanks for the ad space. This podcast is part of the Planet Broadcasting Network.
3: Visit planetbroadcasting.com for more podcasts from our great
1: mates. Hey, what's up? Welcome to another episode of Serious Issues, a weekly comic book podcast uh, with your good friends, Andrew Levins and Siobhan Coombs. Hello. Uh, bringing you the best and worst in comic bookery, uh, courtesy of our good friends at King's Comics in Sydney. Should you ever find your way in you ever, y- y- yourself in mm-hmm. Sydney and would like to uh, bless yourself with the comics that we talk about on every podcast, you can find them all here in store, 310 Pitt Street, Sydney or at kingscomics.com. Um, we have an enormous show Lined up for you, yes. Um, and uh, the the best thing about knowing that you're about to record an enormous show of comics is uh, um, is when you get to where you record, and Siobhan says, "Oh no!" when you get there, because <laughs> you'd only read five comics.
2: I'd only read five comics. I smashed like a lot of comics just then.
1: Yeah, I was I was barely better than you this week. <laughs> what a horrible thing to say. <laughs> but uh, I'd read I'd read about twelve comics all up. <laughs>
2: <laughs> horrible Awful. uh
1: there are a lot of number ones this week
2: there really were which is why i didn't get around to reading all my favorite comics like venom and <laughs> quicksilver no surrender these are your favorite comics these now are, that yep those are my two favorite comics ever
1: uh, <laughs> <laughs> the, the hard thing about all the number ones is that uh you know within every first issue you have to build so much of a world that people are, you know, gonna commit themselves yes. to and get into eventually. But when you're you and me, it I'm reading them one after the other in quick succession, it's like you forget have to forget the world that you were just build building, building
2: mm-hmm. and then
1: enter a new world of, that is about to be built for you.
2: Which makes the issue too yes. <laughs> a really hard prospect a lot of the time.
1: <laughs> um, but, you know, we managed. There, there are like 20 number ones that I read this week. Uh, and before we get to that, I thought we should start a new segment. Oh, yeah. Um, which uh, you can come up with a fun ah, cool. ride for it. Uh, I want to talk about some zines.
2: Yes, please.
1: Because uh, some friends of the show mm-hmm. um, have released new issues of, uh, of their zines. Um, and we're going to talk about them right now. Of course, if you don't know what zine is, a zine is like a, you know, a self-published comic. Yeah. Um,
2: or it, magazine. It, it's
1: short for magazine. It sure is. Um, and, uh, I used to, I used to make zines when I was younger yeah. and uh, I've been thinking about photocopying them all up because they were all, all comic based.
2: You should uh, do I them. was thinking
1: about doing like a best of crappy teenage 11s comics.
2: You should absolutely do that. I would love to see it's Like
1: weirdly like angsty, but in that kind of like snotty teenage way.
2: Like, I don't mean this to sound rude, but I can imagine. Yeah,
1: definitely. <laughs> Uh, my, my, my zine was called It's Very Pleasant Oh yeah I should, I should, I should go find it up That sounds nice um, But the uh, the zines that I read this week are far better than It's Very Pleasant Even the It's Very Pleasant 2.5 issue that I released Wow uh, For a, a, a live punk rock show when I was a teenager wow. Pretty cool stuff
2: <laughs> You were doing comic marketing gimmicks before you even knew yeah, they exactly. existed
1: um, So uh, the first thing I want to talk about is called Meet Me in the Pit Issue number one, which is a comic book anthology Mm -hmm. uh, put together entirely by um, one man, Chris Mm Neal, who is an active member in the Serious Issues Facebook community and um, regularly shares excellent things that uh, seem to be targeted exclusively to my tastes. Absolutely. He has impeccable
2: taste in comics.
1: Um, And uh, it is always good when someone with that taste that you like so much Mm-hmm. Decides to go and do their own thing, Um and Meet Me in the Pit is his first uh, comic book compilation, mm-hmm. uh, featuring uh, himself doing some writing alongside a bunch of other creators. Um, I think are all Sydney based, <coughs> and uh, all don't of- know,
2: but all oh. Australian local legends, as far as I can tell.
1: Uh, and uh, they're all kind of about music or mm-hmm. about you know the way music makes the creators feel. Mm-hmm. Um, you have. Uh, so the, the the story that um, Chris wrote is a great one, written kind of the point of written from the point of view of a girl in a band, mm-hmm. um, and features art by someone called Rebecca Enya Laurie, who did the cover,
2: who is like, like so talented, like a, a Tula Lotte or um, someone like that. I can't even think of who her art reminds me of. But, but it's, it's like
1: heightened realism, kind yeah. of, uh, and, and there's some brilliant moments of uh, just like kind of. Like a story in which a, a, a someone who sings in a band uh, and plays guitar in a band kind of psychs themselves up to mm-hmm. play a gig, mm-hmm. gets through their nerves, and uh, I, I thought that was such a great you know, that smack bang in the middle of, of the issue. Um, but what's great about anthology books like this, and and um, the next comment we're about to talk to, it's kind of talk about, is makes me feel the same way. Is that like you know just complaining about reading a full 24-page issue mm-hmm, of something, mm-hmm. you know, it, it is all about, like, you know, slowly introducing you to a world or or quickly getting you up to speed with as much text as possible mm. um, to, you know, to just kind of build build a world in, like, two pages and then and then show you the story. But what I love about anthology comics is, like, you know, all of these stories are three pages long at most. Yes. So they are just these tidbits into people's worlds. And when you have so many different creators, there is, like, you know, about 12 or so different creators working on this book, um. It just it was so refreshing just to have like every every page something new and, and sweet and Absolutely. a completely different take on, on music
2: and I think it's such an impressive skill um, to put a full story in like three or four pages I think it really teaches you how to be like very precise and restrained and um, how to pace things really well so it's really cool to see people like uh, Christoph Bojax. I don't know how Bojax? to pronounce your Bojax. Bojax. Christoph Bojax. Who? Um, if, if that's
1: not how you pronounce your name, Christoph, I implore you to, to change the pronunciation. Because <laughs> that's a real fun word to say. It's
2: good. That's good word to say. Um, but it's nice seeing people whose work I've followed for a little while um, becoming so much more sophisticated in what they're doing. It was really nice to see well, that. Mean,
1: Christoph didn't actually write a three-page comic. He wrote an infinite comic because it loops on itself.
2: Yes, which is impressive yes, in and of itself. But it's also so cool to be introduced to um, local creators that I'd never heard of who I now want to badger into... Doing stuff in print so that I can sell it in the store.
1: Totally right, and also that so many, like more than half the creators are female as well. It, yes, is uh, absolutely like you know in a frequently male-dominated space, mm-hmm, um, and mm-hmm. we would know because we read them all more than anyone else. Yep, uh, it is so cool to have you know an overwhelming amount of incredible female talent on one book. Absolutely, um, and uh, I'll be I'll be trying to follow all of these um, artists and writers. I loved um, Hamyara M- M- Bub.
2: Yep, she was probably. Like no offense to anyone else, but that was probably my favorite little comic. And she has a she has a Patreon, and I really highly recommend it. you go and um, check it out and donate because there's a whole bunch of stuff up there for free. Yeah. Um, but there's more if you pledge. Um, awesome. And she's so funny and so. I, and I loved the I loved opening
1: it. the opening book comic Meg O'Shea, which is an autobiographical kind of comic mm-hmm, about mm-hmm. music and being a teenager. And having
2: music shame, which is a thing I identify with very strongly, because I don't think I could have what anyone would describe as like cool taste in music. I
1: mean, as someone who has sung multiple songs by both The Cause and Bewitched in just the last month alone on the show, <laughs> I'd have no music shame.
2: <laughs> You've made a career out of That's that. That's very true. <laughs>
1: um, but yeah, Meet Me in the Pit is the name of this uh, of this anthology. And it looks like this has already been, a, a, you know, a moderate... To, to good success yeah. so much so that Chris is going to be putting together another compilation of this pretty soon
2: yeah we're getting issue two of this hopefully not um, too long but you can get copies of issue one on the shelves at Kings now
1: yeah that's right um, kingscomics.com as well should, it, mm-hmm. should have them too mm-hmm. if you want to get a copy of Meet Me in the Pit I absolutely implore you to it's really really cool
2: really good fun I loved five it
1: five minutes in I've already used the word implore twice nice also nine minutes in because it's going to be a long episode oh, oh yeah because I did that out at the start yeah. that went too long I was oh. like this will be 30 seconds long <laughs>
2: You don't know how to do a 30-second <laughs>
1: <laughs> Uh So that's Meet Me in the Pit. Really, really cool stuff. And uh, we spoke about the first issue of Super Bloom many months ago, but this is a comic that's written and drawn by a friend of the show, Tommy Dassalo, who you may be familiar with as one of the hosts of The Little Dum Dum Club or Filthy Casuals, the video game podcast. Um, uh, or his stand-up. Or his stand-up, that's true. Um, but uh, Tommy has kind of made it a, a point of his stand-up shows to uh, feature his cartoons in the, in the past. He's kind of done like little videos for the end of all each Shows. I oh, cool. uh, even did one called uh, Little Golden Dassalo, mm-hmm. in which uh, everyone that was there got a copy of like a little golden book that mm-hmm. he drew featuring Aww. like little sketches based off Cute. of what he was talking about on stage but Superbloom is his kind of uh you know fun little a- anecdotal uh slice of life mm-hmm, mm-hmm. comedy comic um featuring like it's overwhelmingly sweet yes. there there are, there are small moments where he th- says the world is idiots
2: it's mostly cafe-based. Yeah, it's, yeah it's, it's, it's,
1: it's Australia's premier cafe-based comic. <laughs> um, basically, Tommy draws on his iPad or digitally, um, goes to a cafe and, mm-hmm. uh, and and just kind of sketches stuff about what what he, what he he's eating and how that makes him feel, mm-hmm. uh, makes fun of the staff and different people that are mm-hmm. also eating, indulging in the same thing he is. What's your beef with him, Tommy? Why?
2: Yeah, come on. It's people just trying to have a fucking coffee, mate.
1: Maybe maybe they're writing comics about you too, Tommy. If you've written a comic about to Tommy Dassalo.
2: Send it to us. <laughs>
1: yeah, totally send it to us. <laughs>
2: it's very um. The style reminds me of like, uh, is it like Peter Bag? Yes, that guy definitely. And uh, those sorts of vibes.
1: Yeah, and th- this would I can totally see like a this being like a this reminds me a lot of the yeah the, the kind of Peter Bag or other fanographics um, mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. creators who kind of wouldn't do would do almost like strip format um, yes. comics where it's just you know uh, cute either cute or or mean <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. jokes um, that only take up a page or so of your time. Um, I think Tommy's art has gotten really, really...
3: Way
2: like, better since the last issue. No offence. T-
1: no no offence, issue About the one. last but, issues, but, no, just, but yeah. like,
2: really impressive.
1: Really, really great stuff. And the, and the, the colours and the printing of this are, uh, mm-hmm. are top-notch too.
2: That's another thing I wanted to say about Meet Me in the Pit. It is probably the most, like, professionally put-together local comic I have seen in a really long time, and that matters a lot. Definitely. Um, It looks gorgeous, and the cover is so incredible. Mm-hmm. Sorry. Go back to talking about Tommy. Um, of oh, well, which the cover is also excellent. Yeah, it's a great I cover. would happily sell that at King's as well.
1: Yeah, sure. Tom, King, uh, Tommy, get in touch with King's.
2: Yeah, Tommy, send me an email.
1: Kingscomics.com. I'm sure you're listening. Serious issues at Kingscomics.com. Um, actually, he, sa- he said he was going to put us as a um, as a quote. Oh, really? Um, for, uh, on this issue, but he didn't. So what hopefully a, hopefully, what he an used asshole. It, hopefully he use the cafe based comic <laughs> <laughs> quote as one. But yeah, Super Bloom too. you can get it um, at uh, at TommyDassolo.com. Is that? <laughs> Probably not. <laughs> um, he's at Dassolo on Twitter and Instagram. Um, and uh, you can get in touch with them there if you want to get a copy. Yeah, I might do that. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so check it out, Super Bloom, and meet me in the pit. Two great local comics. Uh, you know, we rarely get a chance to talk about local comics because not that many of them are produced that make our way, mm. make their way to our hands.
2: Surprisingly. Um, but they,
1: these ones are two very good ones that are definitely Absolutely. worth your time. <sighs> okay. <sighs> no, all right. Let's no, do it. Let's do it. First things first. The longest edition yet. <sighs> uh, this was a week in which I, I and I, look. There, there, there are going to be moments of personal crisis within this segment. <laughs> <laughs> I think I don't know what it, I think it is. Like I know I know how stupid it is to complain about having to read too many comics. I know no one is imposing that I read them all. Exactly on me, on me. It's just yeah.
2: And even when I'm given the choice to not, I still do it. Yeah,
1: exactly right. I'm
2: still like no, I want to, I want to do this, even though I didn't get around to reading them until today because I watched all of Queer Eye season two instead. Fabulous. That was a better use of my time.
1: Wait, they've wow. already made a second season of the rebooted Queer Wire. Yes. White. Yes. It turns out I can't say que- Queer Riot. Oh, no. Oh, wow. <laughs> um, but let's talk about okay. First Things First, which is where we review all of the new number ones that came out this week. Yeah. Um, and uh, I want to start with Image, because Image put out five, and as we all know, that makes them the winner. <laughs> I think Marvel put out five, too, but they always win. But uh,
2: we're all losers in this. That's
1: true. So I want to start with a, with a comic that I definitely really enjoyed. Great. Um, and it's called The Weatherman, issue number one, written by Jody Le Hoop, with art by Nathan Fox and colours by David Stewart. Of course, this came out through Image, um, a brand-new series. It doesn't tie into anything that came before it. Um, it's set on Mars in the future, and we learn that something happened uh, to Earth that killed most of it.
2: Pretty much all of them. And
1: uh, everyone living had to relocate to Mars. Um, and uh, this follows a kind of day in the life of a... Inept but lovable weatherman mm-hmm. who uh, people tolerate and keep employed because he makes them laugh and remem- and reminds them of a time when uh, life could be laughed at.
2: Time when life was silly. Mm-hmm. Back on, on of a, silly this
1: silly old ball of blue and green that we live on every day. <laughs> um, but uh, this t- t- takes a really, really dark turn. Yeah,
2: holy moly. <laughs> <laughs>
1: and uh, if you are someone that does not like it when an animal with four legs and a tail yeah. is brutally murdered uh, in a comic, then I would avoid this like the plague.
2: Absolutely. I was not expecting that. And I suddenly went like, Oh my God. Yeah. When I was reading it. Cause I was going to recommend it to Lynn King's comic staff member who loves any comic with a dog in it. But now I'm going to say Lynn, you absolutely should no, not avoid read this it. Comic. Avoid this 100% or you will cry.
1: But that said, uh, the, there is a massive twist that's revealed shortly after that, horrible moment. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, yeah, what I initially thought was this kind of, like, fun kind of, uh, like, comedy in spite of the grim, situ- grim situation the future has found uh, humanity in. Um, I realise this is actually a much kind of broader kind of sci-fi, yeah, almost thriller yeah. comic. Um, and I'm, I'm, I'm eagerly awaiting the second issue because of Absolutely. those last few pages.
2: Who did the art on this? Uh, Nathan Fox. Okay, cool. Because uh Jody La Hoop? Yep. Is that how you say his name? Yep. He wrote Shirtless bear Fighter.
1: Oh, cool. Awesome.
2: Um, so I like that he, like, because this is a really funny issue. He obviously has great, like, comedy chops, mm-hmm. um, but now showing that he can do something a little bit more serious, and a little bit more um, broad, which is cool and fun and interesting. I like this a lot. Definitely. I'll definitely be reading this.
1: There's also an advertisement for the Shirtless Bearfighter um, action figure, which you can get with pants or without, except instead of having a big old dick, um, he has, like, pixelated... Like plastic yeah. pixel, pixels.
2: It looks like um like Lego bricks.
1: Yeah, it's pretty weak. Pretty clear. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. Weak.
2: Come on, guys. Give us that. Give us the pantsless variant that we want. <laughs> <laughs> but no one wants except me.
1: Um. So yeah. Um. I would highly recommend the Weatherman issue number one. Yeah. Um. And uh. Yeah. Like really keen to see where this goes. Will they keep the the comedy as present as it was in this book until the last five pages? Or will this be now just like a kind of... Now just this
2: really grim, serious <laughs> <Yeah>. book about, <laughs> about genocide. Woo! Um,
1: that final page is insane. Yeah. Great book. The Weatherman. Um, I highly recommend this series mm-hmm. to everyone unless you uh, love dogs or something stupid
2: like that. Something insane like that.
1: Um, Proxima Centauri is the next uh, book I want to talk about. Written and drawn by Farrell Dalrymple. Um, what can you tell me about Farrell?
2: Um he is an incredible, solo, sort of artistic, creative, different comics guy who's been working for a really long time, and I very rarely understand his work. Mm. I enjoy it. I like putting my eyeballs on it, but I don't really know what it's about most of the time.
1: Yeah, mostly self-published. Um, he showed up as one of the many contributors to the Island mm-hmm. um, Anthology series that Brennan Graham and Emma Rios put together, mm-hmm. uh, finished last year. Uh I've, I've seen him show up on other people's work in the past as well. Yeah. Um, His most y-
2: famous work, I think, is called The Pop Gun War. Yeah. It's about kids in some kind of war, I think. Uh,
1: and this is about ki- a kid in some kind of sci-fi war. Yes. Um, Proxima Centauri is the, uh, is the name of it. Uh, and uh, it is really, really fun and strange. Um Farrell and Pearl's style is unlike any other. Um, mm-hmm. It's... Uh, it, 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 like part of it, if you told me that he wrote this story as he drew it, I would believe you. Yeah, totally. And I don't mean that in a uh, in in a, like a, a demeaning way. No, I think there is like a there, there is such madness in his pages, and I love the idea of him coming up with it as he goes along.
2: Absolutely, there's something very like refreshingly stream of consciousness about Definitely. the whole it thing. it doesn't,
1: doesn't feel stifled in any way.
2: No, it's very like dreamlike.
1: Definitely. Um. So. Basically we have a young boy who is uh, working alongside a scientist who is kept as a prisoner on this space station and uh, the boy has powers of some sort Um, and he basically is kind of sent to infiltrate this weird alien world where he finds himself under attack uh, and is aided by some of his kind of co-workers Mm -hmm. uh, and we meet his kind of would-be attacker uh, in the final pages of this issue.
2: Yep. I couldn't explain what else happened except that um, he has such a good voice for, like, child characters always. Um, It's this real sort of casual rudeness Mm -hmm. that I think you really find with 11-year-olds. And I think he really captures that. And the colours are typically sort of uh, washed out and pencil-y. Yep, definitely. Um, Beautiful and it's pastels, so gorgeous.
1: Yeah, and I think like you know, even though the the subject matter and and his storytelling is confusing, his artwork is not. Mm, absolutely, it's always you're always aware of who everybody is, what they're doing, even in the end of some of the more frantic action scenes. Mm-hmm. Uh, so if you're looking for something a bit more left of center, such an image, this, this doesn't like this is like probably the weirdest book image published since uh, Pro- Prophet finished. Yep. um uh, and if you're you know if you're if you've got a longing for that, uh, definitely check this one out. Proxima Centauri by Farrell Dalrymple. And he also released a, a a trade through Image last week too,
2: mm-hmm.
1: uh, which is on my on my bedside table. And I may try and get through it this week when I feel like getting crazy. Lovely. Uh, so that's another great one from Image. <clears throat> will you be continuing with both of those?
2: Uh, yeah, yeah, I yeah, will. Like Absolutely. Too
1: how about the magic order the latest from mark miller okay the...
2: i will be totally honest i saw this on the shelf and i was like "Ooh, i like the cover and then i saw mark miller and i went oh i'm not reading that." yeah fair enough he's burnt you too Even many times though in the past. i love olivier coipel
1: yeah olivier coipel is the uh the artist on this book the magic order is uh the first book that is a collaboration between image comics uh miller world and netflix yeah, I know. So the back it just says Netflix. The back cover is just a big black black page with the Netflix logo on it and the ads at the back of this aren't for other comics. They're for the Luke Cage series and for a um like uh like a, an actual whip from the um the Castlevania series that Netflix puts out too. What? Yeah. You can buy a whip in this comic.
2: God. Uh, I think. Yeah, there's some cuz Miller World has done some kind of deal with Netflix. So apparently up on Netflix right now are all these like weird motion comics about this series. And I hate motion comics more than I hate most things, which is a lot.
1: Yeah. So this is kind of like, what if the Harry Potter world was dark?
2: Oh <laughs>
1: God. And and what
2: if Harry Potter wore his dick out all the time and was like, Oh really? Fucking, I hate, I don't know. That's, I, didn't read it. <laughs> I
1: was like, I want to read that.
2: <laughs> I was trying to think of what a Mark Millar version of Harry Potter. And I just imagined him wearing like a little, um, Like penis pouch and nothing else. Okay. Cool.
1: Um, I would read that though. That's where the scar
2: is.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So um, the magic order is like kind of suggests, it's almost like a crime book, but with different sects of magicians. Uh, in the place of crime lords, I
2: <laughs> you said different sexy magicians. Continue. <laughs>
1: uh, stop trying to create the sorry. book that you want <laughs> this to be. Um, the opening book uh, uh. features a magician taking the mind of another magician's child and then <laughs> sending the child up to the room in which his parents are sleeping and then he puts a kitchen knife through his father's head in an extremely graphic panel. Super cool. Um,
2: Mark Millar continues to be chill.
1: We then are introduced to the daughter of another famous magician who is an escape artist so she escapes from her um, from a back of a police car. That part was kind of interesting. Um, and then uh, the bulk of this is about a funeral, and we meet all the different magicians, um, and you know. Some of them are trying to be convinced to come back into the fray and do magic again, but of course someone's lost their daughter because of magic in the past and doesn't want to get back into magic again because of that. Blah, 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 blah. There's some interesting ideas in this, but overall I think it tried to do too much. But that said, there is a weird effortlessness in reading a Mark Miller comic. Yeah. You never feel overwhelmed by all of the things he's trying to show you at once. Um, And while I would say definitely the dialogue is bad, I think overall his plotting isn't.
2: Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's like, he's obviously really skilled. Definitely. And he's very smart. I just don't like his voice ever. It's, yeah.
1: Yeah, there's some it's moments in this that like, I can see you just like just shredding the comic in front of you <laughs> as you wrote it.
2: but um, Olivia- Tearing it apart in a rage.
1: Olivia Koppel's um, uh, artwork is tremendous.
2: So beautiful.
1: Um, the colours look gorgeous what as sets well. Davis- Dave Stewart making his second appearance in this uh, edition of First Things First. It would be funny if, and Dave Stewart was the colorist of Super Bloom (laughs) 2.
2: Dave Stewart did the um, cool King's Comics exclusive variant that we're getting in for Amazing Spider-Man
1: next week. Oh, cool. Awesome. It is cool. Who did the actual art?
2: Uh, No, Dave Stewart. It's all Dave Stewart. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, yeah, He did the cover. Oh,
1: looking forward to seeing that. Yeah, it'll be nice. Um, So now we have another image book that came out, issue number one of Stella. Um, That's S-T-E-L-L-A-R, written by Joseph Keating. And art by Brett Blevins, which is a name that sounds like I would give myself were I drunk. (laughs) Like, you know, what's your name, sir? Blandrew Blevins. (laughs) I like it. Um, He did the art and colours on this book, which is a sci-fi book in which a bounty hunter uh, has hunted a bounty and is taking taking this wisecracking big bug uh, so she can get paid. Uh, and upon getting to where she would get paid, finds that the person who would pay her no longer works there anymore um, and then kind of takes this this captive uh, on an adventure through space. Um, and, I don't know, we learn heaps about this the galaxy in this, you know, there are a lot of big explosions and heaps of people die. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. we learn that the main character who we've been following as she carts this uh, captive around is a bigger part of all the destruction than, uh, than we initially thought.
2: Yeah, some kind of like evil superhero. Um,
1: I thought the art was pretty pretty cool, especially the colours. I love <laughs> the, the colour palette of this, but overall, uh, this is not my kind of book.
2: Um, you know, I did like it, and I might give it another issue to see if it goes somewhere a little bit more interesting.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Uh, so if you were looking for a science fiction book...
2: Uh, With a sexy leading lady and a mystery at its core.
1: <laughs> Stella, number one. Uh, final one we're going to talk about is a Zero Issue. Of uh, of uh, a, a a forgotten Leif- Rob Liefeld uh, uh, property called Bloodstrike. Um, Bloodstrike was a book, of course, uh, published uh, probably to, to great printing numbers in the 90s, mm-hmm. uh, featuring an extremely muscu- muscular, pocketed man who, on the cover of this, looks like he has like a 10-pack. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, you
2: got the Liefeld variant. Ah, beautiful. Lucky you.
1: Actually, that's pretty good art for Liefeld. It that's is. A, that's a really good cover. Yeah. Um, and this, I think
2: it's been improved by coloring. <laughs>
1: this uh, this zero issue is called Bloodstrike Brutalists, and uh, the interiors um, have been drawn by someone called Michael Fife.
2: The entire the entire thing is by Michael yep. Fife. The so story, so. art, colors, edits, everything.
1: Um, but then it says extremists, and there's a whole bunch of other people like listed as like I think they might be the people
2: or? who created them,
1: like Ed Piscor as in, like, hip hop family yeah. tree. you of know them? what? I don't. Know. Paul Mabry, Ed Pisco, Benjamin Mara. Um, these are all like really great indie comic creators. Yeah. So I- I'm not sure what their involvement is on this, because uh, yeah, if you if you if you turn the page and have a look, um, uh, this is not what you would expect from a um, a '90s uh, like kind of comeback for for a you know image character. This is very much in the same uh, same same kind of field as like, your, your, was it Copra? Copra?
2: Well, that's. It's, oh, that's oh, the same dude, is it? Yeah, Fuck, Michael right. Fife is um, the creator of Copra. Right. And a couple of years ago, they did, like, with Profit. Um, Brandon Graham brought that back. And Glory. Mm-hmm. Um, I can never remember who did that, but I own the oversized hardcover because I loved it so fucking much. Um, and so, taking old Liefeld creations. Joe Keating creations, was a writer on that one, I think. Yeah. yeah. I can't think of a that, though. Um, taking old Liefeld creations and sort of revamping them with really cool indie creators um really appeals to me there's a really sort of grimy underground cool feel to this issue and i really loved it
1: the art is absolutely terrific
2: yeah the story is borderline incomprehensible yes but uh, yeah (laughs) cool as hell i enjoyed the ride anyway
1: definitely and i love the the inking and colors throughout this is so awesome um it's it's kind of like a it's it, it, honestly, it just it, it is like a pastiche of 90s uh, image comic madness. Yeah. Um, and I think any attempt of us trying to explain what kind of plot is, would, is, is doing a worse job than just saying it's a tribute to yeah. the way comics used to be.
2: It's just a, a mercenary shenanigans, deaths, weird timeline changes. I don't really understand what's going on. Heaps of other
1: superheroes on. and supervillains. Bad Violence. guys
2: doing cocaine. <laughs> the evilest drug of them all.
1: Um, yeah, this is like terrific fun, uh, even though you're right. I did not make any sense of the, uh, the, the 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 plot throughout it. Yeah,
2: but it's a zero issue. I'm pretty sure it's just introducing us to various characters. Um, and now we're going to see the team out doing some Merc shit. Hell yeah. I love the character of Foreplay.
1: Who's that? Someone that has four arms? She's
2: a lady with four arms.
1: Um, what I really enjoyed, though, was the, uh, at the, at the final... Um, like a few pages of this uh, Are a um, Oh wait It looks like Ed Pisco is going to be doing A Team Youngblood book As well
2: Yes please but then That's I, so great well, I don't
1: know what this final There's a, this is final three I guess this must be from it It's a It's a Like there's, there's a bit of There's a backup comic Set in the 70s That I really liked too um, This is a cool little anthology Of, 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 of fun 90s life eld celebration Absolutely because say what you will about what they were at the time, but they definitely, they definitely influence a lot of great creators that are existing now.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
1: Hell yeah. Those are the image books that we uh, talked about. They sure were. We've got more sure image were. books coming along later on in the show. We've got a few other number ones, more than a few. Uh, DC released one, two, three number ones this week. So Let's talk about them. Starting with Plastic Man. Number one, written by Gail Simone, um, with art by Adriana Mello, colors by Kelly Fitzpatrick. Uh, Plastic Man is someone that has been missing from DC continuity up until recently mm-hmm. when we saw him uh, perf- uh, appear in egg form uh, in the uh, Dark Knight's Metal series mm-hmm. and then again on the Terrifics book written by Lemire with various artists. Um, but, uh, yeah, when I heard recently that um, Gail Simone was going to be doing a miniseries featuring Plastic Man, I got very excited. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, this first issue was a lot of fun.
2: Yeah. I like I love Gail Simone, but I was even like not that excited for this series I was sort of like oh, I don't know if the artist is exciting enough um, but I, I really enjoyed this it made me laugh genuinely Gail Simone is so like I feel like she's just really let rip in the last like couple of years and she's just hysterically funny now yeah and, definitely like,
1: oh, oh that said no Secret Six is was maybe the first comic that I ever read that made me laugh out loud yeah. while I was reading it
2: Bragdoll is so funny yeah
1: definitely um and yeah, I am with you. When I when I, I didn't dislike the art when I saw the previous for but for it, but it just looked like kind of DC House style. And as I read this issue I was like, Oh, that actually works really well for this because really plastic man T- m- across multiple opportunities, uh, masks himself. Uh, you know, Plastic Man is a, is a shapeshifter essentially mm-hmm. and at one point masks himself to look like a Plastic Man version of Wonder Woman. Mm-hmm. He, uh, he works in a strip club where strippers dress as uh, different uh, superheroes and superheroines. Which
2: is a concept that I've been trying to sell to a mutual friend of ours for a really long time. Um, <laughs> it's
1: like, like a superhero trivia Club night Yeah
2: Just like Just a um, Just a one-off night I think it would sell Really well
1: Yeah I mean, People go to those Bizarre Star Wars Biolesque shows Exactly In droves
2: Absolutely
1: Liam um, Smith We gotta talk <laughs> um, But uh, Yeah I thought This was really fun and, and at the start Like this kind of Onslaught of jokes um, you know, I don't, I don't expect this level of humor from, from Gail Simone books, mm-hmm. um, but uh, I, I, I gel to it pretty fast. There is a darkness beneath it all. Um, this book is less about Plastic Man and more about Eel O'Brien, mm-hmm. of course, uh, the man who Plastic Man was before the accident that turned him into Plastic Man, um, as we see him try and uncover, as Plastic Man, like a, he kind of goes undercover as his old self, E.L. L- e. L- e. O'Brien, to try and uncover a murder, um, and then finds himself as the main suspect in that murder by the end of the issue. Um, this is a lot of fun. Yeah, and really good fun. Chaos Simone clearly having a lot of fun with uh, with the character and and the fact that this is something that can live on the outskirts of, outskirts of DC continuity and and have fun with DC f- lore in general. Absolutely. Um, and I really enjoyed um, the art by um, Adriana Mello. I thought did, did a fantastic job.
2: Agreed. Absolutely agreed. I find this really hard to fault.
1: Yeah. Great first issue. Um, now we move on to Hawkman issue number one, which was written by Robin Robert. Venditti, who I know better for doing Valiant comics Mm -hmm. and some Green Lantern stuff in the past, Uh, and uh, Brian Hitch on pencils. Uh, Brian Hitch, of course, trying his hand as a writer over the last couple of current years, Um, but before that he was much better known as a very cinematic comic book artist Mm -hmm. um, with his best-known runs on, like, The Ultimates and stuff like that. Um, Andrew Curry and Brian Hitch. Uh, Brian Hitch did the inks on this one with Colours by Alex Sinclair. Um, And first and foremost, i got to say, I really, really love looking at um, Brian Hitch interiors. I don't. I know it's like it's so basic, but I just I love how fantastically epic he can make, uh, make 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 his, make his scenes work. And I think that was kind of the only thing I was really drawn to overall in this issue because I just find Hawkman as a character such a convoluted, insane, like
2: he's just boring. Yeah. Like there's all this stuff going on with him, but he always manages to be this like unbearably dull, serious, boring, hothead. Yeah. Yeah. The only time when he's interesting is when it's like him and Green Arrow fighting about politics in the nineties. Because well, I don't, I don't he's really right-wing, oh, right wing, apparently. Fun in the nineties,
1: anyway. <laughs> uh, yeah, so this is like kind of like meant to be like a new beginning for um, for for Hawkman, and I did enjoy that. Like you know, the first two thirds of this book is just him trying to escape from uh, like Gorilla City or whatever with a with a special artifact um, as a as the gorilla sprouts wings and flies after him. Um, but yeah, it too quickly just falls back into the cyclical nature of the character of Hawkman and how there have been versions of Hawkman all throughout mm. the multiverse, all throughout time and blah, 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 blah. And it's just like, I just so quickly lost me when it does that stuff. And I know that like true Hawkman fans eat that shit up and you know I hope they're happy. they got, they got All this six of them.
2: Yeah,
1: but I just, I, 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 this did not sell me on why I wanted to, re- why, why I would need to read a Hawkman book.
2: Totally. I find it frustrating because there's so much about Hawkman that should be like, really engaging and fun like he's this hairy chested shirtless guy who's an archaeologist and from sp- a space bird people or some shit <laughs> um but like it still manages to be really boring and pedestrian And hawkman stories always feel the same
1: um, I, li- I liked hawk world by john ostrander yeah, i didn't even like that okay yeah i haven't read much i of really it. only I like him
2: in um teen books right In my experience. And this hasn't done anything to sort of change my mind. I don't think I'll keep reading this. I mean, he's
1: fun because he's always the straight man in a team book. And so he's he's a a good...
2: Foil. Exactly.
1: Good fun. All right. Well... Oh, well. Whatever. Uh, Final DC book is another one of these Batman prelude to the weddings. Um, It's so dumb that they all have number one on them because it's clearly part three. It even says so. But this is Batgirl versus the Riddler, number one.
2: In the creepiest battle of all time. Yeah. The Riddler being like, I'm going to date you, Batgirl. We belong together, which is bizarre and creepy and not a thing that's ever happened in the comics before,
1: and of course, we're now just going to live in a world of uh, based on the the kind of war of Jokers and Riddles, where the the Riddler is now a guy who doesn't know how to button up his shirt.
2: <laughs> of all the things that Tom King has done, that may be the worst. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
1: yeah, so basically, he leaves a fucking Walkman with a mixtape uh, for Batgirl to listen to, and mm-hmm. she and he's like kind of narrating a bunch of riddles that she has to solve in order to save people's lives, and then eventually they fight. And, um, I don't know, then Harley Quinn shows up. Boo! This, is, this was not as good as the last two issues. No. Um, I'm, uh, part of me is like, should I just tap out of this whole Batman wedding thing <laughs> before it even starts?
2: <laughs> yes, I love that I've managed to poison you against <laughs> Tom King, finally.
1: Uh, let's move on to Marvel now. Um, and uh, we got a, a brand new number one of Thor. Which I believe is the third Thor number one that we've reviewed on the show since starting two years ago.
2: Yeah, it's um, Jason Aaron's third Thor number one that's in awesome. his I think it might run. Even
1: be five Thor number ones for him: Thor, <coughs> God of Thunder, Thor Jane, and then they re- re- rebooted Thor Jane. Oh yeah, and then there was Thor the when it went back to the unworthy. Mm-hmm, so that's mm-hmm. four, and this is like fifth, I guess. Probably, I'm probably missing one or two. Uh, but yeah, Thor is back, everybody. Thor number one. He's with no nothing prefacing his name. He's just Thor now. Just Thor. Um, and uh, we get a uh, kind of two-part uh, issue. Um, one with art by Mike Del Mondo, with colors by Marco D'Alfonso. Dio- and um, the second one uh, is written by, by Jason Aaron as well, with art by Christian Ward. Um, and... Uh, Yeah, um, basically this kind of catches us up. We know that the War of Realms is is coming and we know that um, Jane Foster has decided to fight cancer instead of crime. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so the mantle has been passed back to the Odinson um, who is trying to create a new hammer uh, for him to wield. Um, And uh, in this one we see many, many hammers come to his aid Mm -hmm. and all of them destroyed in seconds as he tries to uh, reclaim a bunch of artifacts that were um, scattered across the universe, went uh, upon the destruction of uh, of Asgard,
2: and who have been being protected by the Juggernaut, which is always my favorite way to open an issue with a fight with the Juggernaut.
1: Yeah, especially when it's drawn by Mike Del Mondo. Yeah, um, art was awesome on this. Um, we also see great great moments for Namor, mm-hmm. um, Thori, the uh, the satanic fish. Uh, so not fish, dog, dog, dog yes. that um that uh, has been following Thor around since um. I think he's like he's a Kieran Gillen creation. That dog. I think so. Yeah, from the Journey into Mystery run, uh, but he's in it, and one of the one of the go- the, the, the surviving goats. Mm-hmm. Um, we see Loki show up, um, mm-hmm. but it's hilariously, it's like a pretty different Loki to the Loki that showed up in the also written by Jason Aaron Avengers comic recently. Um, yeah, uh, so I like I won- it. I, I like it too. It's just funny that you know he, that, that, that he's the kind of main one of the main characters in both of those runs.
2: Totally, I like how um, mutable his version of Loki is. So changeable.
1: Oh yeah, hundred percent. So good.
2: And I love the Christian Ward illustrated um, story. I love this future Thor with the three daughters or whatever. Granddaughters they are, of Thor, granddaughters. yeah. Um, so fun. So, so fun. And then this is
1: something that, that that Jason Aaron has been peppering his stories with since he started on uh, the Thor, Thor God of Thunder book, mm-hmm. however many, like five, six years ago now, mm-hmm. um, as part of the all new, all different Marvel. Um, and it's always great to kind of jump, jump in the future and see And I love so that the kind of the drive of this story, which we're not going to see a kind of a sequel to, um, or sorry, a return to this story for quite a few weeks um, that we we continue in Thor issue number five. But uh, basically, while he was putting so much effort into saving Midgard, the rest of the universe has been destroyed Mm -hmm. and killed around Thor. Um, So, yeah, pretty fun, really fun stuff.
2: And that last, that final page reveal was excellent. Really, really cool. Really good fun, really silly.
1: And that's what this, this whole run has I just want. been about, having so much fun with, you know, Thor and all the characters within it, and also all the other people in the Marvel Universe that he, he meets on his way. Absolutely. Um, I, I think it looks like the main story is going to be, uh, it, it, like, with Thor and Loki stuck in hell, mm-hmm. which is a lot of fun. And eventually we get a big war of realms. Uh, so yes, please. Non-stop action in the future, in Thor's world, that's for sure, Siobhan.
2: Absolutely, great first
1: issue. Like, I love like, like I. I would be happy if Jason Aaron wrote Thor until he keeled over and died. Agreed. Thor or Jason Aaron, either or. Both. <laughs> they both die. Mutual when, death. When, when 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 Jason Aaron dies, Thor dies with him. <laughs> um, another is um, number one is the first annual. Uh, of the Marvel 2-in-1 series, which is The Thing and... Uh, usually The Thing and The Human Torch, written by Chip Zdarsky with various artists. But for the annual, we have The Thing and the infamous Iron Man, a.k.a. Victor Von Doom in the Iron Man suit, which I think this is like a, kind of like a last hurrah mm-hmm. for this era of the character, uh, written by Chip Zdarsky with art by Declan Shalvey and Geordie Belair. Um, this is uh, just... Uh, just everything I wanted a comic (laughs)
2: yeah this was a great issue it is like it is great as an annual because it stands alone but it also ties into really directly what is going on in the current two-in-one series as well as tying into Hickman's Fantastic Four run and Secret Wars exactly and everything and uh, he nailed
1: it absolutely nailed it this is maybe my favorite thing that Chip Zdarsky has written so far
2: and no like no jokes. Yeah,
1: like, it, it, but at no point was I like, "This is too dark." Where are mm-hmm. the jokes? It was mm-hmm. just a, a really well written story, like with incredible dramatic moments. I mean, it helps w- that he's got the power of being able to show us Reed Richards or a version of Reed Richards, again because that's something that I've missed so much for com- from comics over the last couple of years. Mm-hmm. That seeing him is such a powerful image, absolutely, um, and uh, especially when you it's you know it's a one on one conversation well, or no, even it's like a one on one-on-seven conversation between Victor Von Doom and various Reed Richards. Mini-Reeds. Uh, yeah, bringing, bringing back something from the excellent uh, Hickman run mm-hmm. of the Um But, uh, man, I've I, this was just so good. It had incredible, like, stupidly high-concept science fiction ideas.
2: Plus, like, just incredible character development moments for Doom.
1: Yeah, definitely. Like, you know, and, and without changing his character too much from what he was before, which is yep. what Ben is kind of... They, was was a little bit doing doing a bit, mm-hmm. um, but uh, man, I, I I loved this. And this is if this is the last time we, we'll see Victor Von Doom in the Iron Man suit, this is a good farewell to it. It's Absolutely, su- super cool issue.
2: Really, really good. Ah, oh, and oh no, what wrong. is it? I thought for a second. I looked. Um, is Declan Shelby, the next artist for two in one. I don't think so. Hmm. I'm confused. Anyway,
1: that doesn't look like that. That's a that's an I Adam. That's an I I Adam's cover, sort of but. Yeah.
2: <laughs> I can't tell if the writer artist stuff is about this issue or next issue. I think
1: Shelby's a pretty busy dude. I reckon this was like, this is an absolute treat that we were able to get it. I mean, I know that, you know, Shelby is a very stylized artist that not not a lot of people gel with, especially on superhero comics, but he's absolutely my kind of artist. And it was such a thrill to see him draw all these characters. Yeah. Yeah. Great. issue. Very, very good. Super, super good issue. Um, that's The Thing and Infamous Iron Man, Marvel 2-in-1 Annual, number one. Uh, so, Siobhan, there have been some funny moments throughout this the history of this podcast, mm-hmm. and most of them reveal, revolve around us uh, reviewing comic books that were written by rappers or R&B stars.
2: Absolutely. Who
1: could forget um, the 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 Race Remed Valiant book with Shadow Man?
2: It was amazing.
1: I'd forgot everything that happened in it. It but had also, Race Remed in it. Uh, who could forget when I read the graphic novel written by Black Eyed Peas for Marvel about zombies. I could. I I wish I could. It was a a slog. Anyway, uh, they continue this fun experiment by... um,
2: Why does this keep happening?
1: Giving us The Weeknd Presents Starboy, Volume 1, Issue 1. Scariest thing about that is that this is Volume 1. Yes. There may be more volumes of this.
2: I think that there are infinite stories that you could tell... About this character based on the musician The Weeknd. So,
1: The Weeknd, aka Abel Tesfay, Um I'm sure that's not how you pronounce it, I doubt you pronounce his name, like there's, an, there's a question mark on the end of his <laughs> son of it, but whatever. Um, he, uh, he, uh, you know i've I've listened to a lot of his music, and most of it is about like women not being as good as he <laughs> wants them to be and, <laughs> and yes. uh yeah you know it's most what what most r and b music sounds like yeah. these days um but uh apparently the starboy, which was a his most recent album, had some amount of science fiction storytelling, although really? all I can remember hearing from it is. I'm a motherfucking star boy, <laughs> repeated at infinim, but uh, whatever. Uh, apparently there was a plot under there, and this is a comic that may tie into this album some way. Um, this was written by Abel himself, alongside Lamar Taylor and Christos Gage, with art by Eric Nguyen, colours by Guru FX. Um, yep, published by Marvel. Um, and so Starboy is almost like by numbers origin story for Real how for a superhero mo- super gets, you know, gets started. Mm-hmm. Uh, you have uh, the death of his father. Um, you have him shoved into uh, like, you know, some uh, some like crazy invention that no one knows what will happen once yeah. he's shoved in there. and then You have gets-
2: some like overly evil... Uh- People Artificial in intelligence gone rogue yep. shit going on. You have a ultra-wealthy playboy hero who just doesn't feel fulfilled by his life <laughs> of partying and women and cheap blah, 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 blah. He's just... No one understands him because he's so rich and handsome.
1: But he loses everything at the end of this book issue, Siobhan. Good. And then he emerges as the motherfucking Starboy.
2: <laughs> you know what's the weirdest part of this? Is there's like... Um, they do the classic thing of putting... Uh, like in universe ads, in yeah, the I, issue. I'm always a fan
1: of that. I do love that. Yeah. I always
2: love that. But it's got really poorly drawn, sexy, like a sexy lady section of yeah. like, oh, here's some sexy women that you can hire with their terribly drawn boobs. And in my head, the weekend drew them.
1: Oh, right, cool.
2: That's what I assume happened here. And,
1: and all of this entire book exists just so he could get his uh, his poorly drawn boobs published once and for all.
2: Congratulations, Abel.
1: Um, outside of the polydron boobs, the artwork by Eric Nguyen is pretty good.
2: You know what? This is actually not that bad. No. I expected this to be so much worse than it was, and I'm... Almost compelled to read issue two. I don't. I I'm, might just do it I'm to gonna, annoy I'm, myself. I'm,
1: I'm going to sit it sit it out. But yeah, this this is a lot less terrible than I thought it was going to be.
2: A lot less terrible. It's
1: just kind of mediocre. But if this is you know your if you're a, if if a weekend fan picks this up like having never read a comic book before,
2: they might be disappointed by a lack of like women doing you wrong and being <laughs> a sexy man or whatever his music is about.
1: There's a lot less, uh, you know, uh, musical guests on this than you would get on an average weekend album. Yes. So. They might be like, "Where's Drake?"
2: Yeah, where's Drake's comic about his illegitimate child <laughs> and the Toronto Raptors?
1: Um, what's up with like, uh, you know, Marvel being such a quintessential New York imprint and exclusively publishing books from featuring rappers that did not live in New York?
2: That's a good point. Are the Marvel offices still in New York, or do they move? They moved.
1: And the comics still very much New York. Well, I mean, I mean, you can move Marvel offices wherever the fuck you want. Every single comic they put out pretty much yeah. is set in New York City.
2: Yes. They still have the spirit of fucking stand the man.
1: and like you know they gave us a black eyed peas book, and I know that they're initially black New York rappers, but they, you know they're, they're far more better known as l a rappers. Start, uh, weekend is Canadian, I think. like I don't know, like give fifty a call. I'm sure fifty cent. I would love to see the insanity like yeah that, that same. Fi- like like fifty cent just write a story and then just get like a top tier Marvel artist to draw it.
2: See, this is why you should be an editor at Marvel because I would much rather read that. I think everyone would much rather. Also, read
1: like that. if you're gonna give a rapper, like you know, publishing rights or whatever, mm. be like, you can also put any of our characters in it because how much yeah. better would it be if it was like the weekend writing Daredevil? <laughs> <laughs> like, imagine I it's like, we, the weekend. like and Elektra's there and Kate Bishop, Hawkeye's <laughs> there, and then we all fuck and we make an album together, and I'm the motherfucking starboy. <laughs> Print it.
2: I would read that, <laughs> but like, what's up with him just creating a character that's like got his face, but not? It's not bas- like, it's not him.
1: Well, I mean, look, you know, as a different it's, person, but he is Starboy in the in his album. He's still singing about himself, mm. yeah. Because even in even in space, Siobhan, the women will <laughs> do you wrong. <laughs> Another Marvel book that came out this week is uh, Marvel Rising Alpha, um, issue number one. This has been uh, written by Devin Grayson with art by Hawk. Uh, Ho- Ho- is it when there's an S on the end? It's Jorge, right? Talking like George, S, Jorge Duarte, and uh, colors by Rochelle Rosenberg. Um, and this is a team-up book between uh, Doreen Green and Kamala Khan, aka the unbeatable Squirrel Girl and Ms. Marvel. Um, and the quite fun concept behind it is that um, Doreen Squirrel Girl has uh, started teaching an extracurricular class at the same high school that Ms. Marvel attends. Mm-hmm. And the two of them have to fight crime because there is a another girl at this school who, after um, going through pterogenesis and becoming an inhuman, has the power to pull things out of video games.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. So, look, there, there were parts of this I liked, the concept especially. I, yes. I love Ms. Marvel. I love Squirrel Girl. I want to see things with them together. Absolutely. Um, and I know, you know, I, I take a deep breath before reading... A book written by either uh, written about either of those characters that isn't written by Ryan North or mm-hmm. um uh, uh
2: G Willow
1: Wilson, that's right, G Willow Wilson, the creator of Ms. Marvel. Um, because you know it is so hard to nail the tone mm-hmm. after getting so used to it in their, in their original books. But I thought Devin Grayson did a mostly good job of, of, of dialogue uh, in this, but I just I'm never interested in reading a book that's kind of... Even though I I love video games, I don't need someone whose power is to pull things out of video games to fight in this world.
2: Yeah. I know, yes, I do broadly agree, but I feel like I am not the target audience for this book. I think the target audience for this book is young women who play video games. For sure. And I am super psyched that Marvel are, like, see that that is a market and are doing something to... um, appeal to it and I think that they did I really like the art Yeah, me I too. think that um, Jorge does an incredible job of doing like different female body types um, and it's really cute and fun and like the colours are gorgeous, it's really bright um, I think that uh, Devin Grayson does an amazing job at Squirrel Girl and um, dialogue and i think the moment where she sort of goes ah kamala i figured out your secret identity and kamala khan's like oh no and she's like you're that fan fiction writer that i love yeah
1: yeah that's right that was great great moment um and yeah so i I kind of came to the same realization you did at the end like hey maybe i'm not the target audience for this but then i read that the uh this is like the prelude to um, a comic first we get um marvel rising squirrel girl and ms marvel which has been written by ryan north and then we get Marvel Rising, Ms. Marvel, and Squirrel Girl, which has been written right written by G. Willow Wilson. So oh, cool. I thought I was gonna tap out, but I'm I'm tapped back in, baby. Yep. You got me.
2: Absolutely. Is Marvel Rising a video game?
1: I don't know. I mean if look, if there was a I don't know what this is. If there was a Ms. Marvel and Squirrel Girl video game, I'd be playing that 24 7. So let me know. I could I could I could do with it no, like a with no distraction in my life for sure. Our <laughs> uh, final Marvel one final Marvel number one this week was Deadpool Assassin. Um, Which
2: you told me to stop reading halfway through. what well, so is you because, like, go for it.
1: This is the opposite audience to young girls who game. This is old men who game, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> but this is written by Cullen Barnum with art by Mark Bagley, John Dell and Edgar Delgado and is kind of like, you know, ignoring most uh, continuity regarding Deadpool over the last five years. And this is just a straight up him being an assassin, working for an old friend, killing heaps of people, making... Less jokes than you would usually expect from a Deadpool book, uh, and also featuring way more blood than you would expect from a Mark Bagley um, book. But yeah, to say like Colin Barnett is quite good at doing the the fourth wall breaking um, Deadpool stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, As he he, like, I I like it when he always gets Deadpool to narrate his own books. That's Mm -hmm. fun. But overall, like you know, I I, I'm not that big. I'm not a big enough Deadpool fan to want a kind of what looks to be like an almost series of one shots in which he pulls off assassinations
2: yeah not for me
1: not my bag but like it was pretty pretty competent all the way through there you go competent (laughs) competent excellent Um, so these next two books um, uh, brought brought on an existential existential crisis in which Mm -hmm. I felt my age for the first time Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombuscom slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Wow! <laughs> I felt older than I do. Um, we've How got old are you? 33. Huh. Yeah. Huh. You would have guessed that eventually, right?
2: Early 30s. Okay, yeah, sure. <laughs> I would have assumed
1: um but uh the first of which came out through Dynamite this week is Nancy Drew number one uh written by Kelly Thompson with art by Jen St Ange tr- uh, colors by Triana Farrell and uh, Ariana Mayer uh, on letters uh and this is a reboot of uh the Nancy Drew or mm-hmm. kind of like a new a new take on the, on the Nancy Drew, Nancy Drew the um the famous uh, sleuth, girl detective girl detective um and my
2: favorite genre of all things possibly right girl detective
1: so alongside Harriet the Spy, who else is uh, in that echelon?
2: A lot of um, Enid Blyton books. Oh, yeah, cool. Lots of Oof. Kelly Thompson books. <laughs>
1: <laughs> um, but, yeah, so Nancy Drew, um, this is uh, kind of what if Nancy Drew and every single person in her life was a wisecracking smartass.
2: Written by Kelly Thompson. Yep. <laughs> That's what she does. If um, you miss Kate Bishop Hawkeye. Even well, though she's barely gone anywhere, this is the book for you. Well, the, so
1: the, my thing is, like, even though I like, I was like, oh, boy, like, getting through this, I, I felt that way after reading the first Hawkeye, and then I was ashamed by that fact and, and, and ended up coming back on board because yeah. everyone loved it so much and then learned to love it very, very quickly. So, look, there are moments of this. The story I really, really like, but it's the supporting cast. It just feels like it was just lifted from so <laughs> many other comics that yeah. feel like this. Um I, I enjoyed her voice on, on Nancy Drew. Um, and it works that, that her character is is the way she is, but when everyone is like constant modern pop culture referencing
2: yeah, yeah, yeah. uh,
1: you know, it just yeah, it's 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 a little bit exhausting, but hey, maybe that is why some people read comics.
2: Totally. I didn't think there were that many pop, pop culture references. No, you're right,
1: maybe not, pop culture is the wrong the wrong the wrong term.
2: But everyone is like wisecracking and sassy. And that's definitely a criticism that you could levy at Kelly Thompson. Almost all the time, I think. But I personally really enjoyed this and I think that Kelly Thompson does something which is really fun for girls. There's a certain sort of oh, I'm, fantasy I'm, wish fulfilment for a lot of her characters. I'm
1: 100% to say, like, I, I, I'm i not actually critical of this as, as, like, as a book. I'm It's yeah, yeah, as yeah. something that's for me. Absolutely. That's what stopped me enjoying it. Absolutely.
2: Yep. And I feel that. But there's something that, like brings out a sort of extra teen girl part of me when I read a Kelly Thompson book where I'm like, I wish I had been that cool instead of sitting by myself writing fan fiction all the time when I was a teenager. Um, And it's just cute and it's fun and it's about friendship and cool clothes and cute boys and making out. And I'm here for it.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, I feel particularly dumb when I finish this and like, what was your favorite thing about Nancy Drew, Levins. and I was like, "Oh, when the Hardy Boys show up."
2: <laughs> the Hardy Boys are cool in this, though.
1: They're really cool. Yeah. I, lo- I love, I love their like, like dorks. Yeah, I-, I really liked that. Totally. Um, just like goofy dorks who love, love giving hugs,
2: love girls. So cute. <laughs> yeah, I, I honestly really enjoyed this. I did. The art's really cute. Um, everyone looks like super cool.
1: So yeah, Nancy Drew has like, um. Scooby gang. The Scooby gang, but she also has a a past that's come back to haunt her. Yeah. And specifically someone is is threatening to reveal part of her past to everybody.
2: Something about her mum dying? Yeah. Or 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 maybe just know know something about her past.
1: Yeah. Um, And look, there's a pretty crazy cliffhanger. I'm definitely going to give this another issue. Yeah. um, Because I I enjoyed enough to, to, you know glaze over some of the dialogue. Totally. But uh, yeah, this Anything? it's not necessarily everybody's thing, but it's definitely a cool, it's a better take than the uh, Nancy Drew book we got last
2: year. Agreed. Um, Is this like a college age Nancy as well? I couldn't quite tell if it was supposed to be high school or college. Yeah. But it's in that grey area. Teen. Teens she's, a, are she's a teen. Out. She's a teen
1: final number one we're going to talk about is a new book by John Allison who is the writer of Giant Days mm-hmm. a boom book mm-hmm. one of the few boom books that I don't read and I feel so bad about it because yeah. I know it has so many fans that love almost everything else I love so I do yeah. need to one day go and read it um, so I was excited to get a kind of new starting book on one of his books this is uh, called By Night and uh, it features art by Christine Larson and Sarah Stern um, and it is about a girl who a woman who is uh Working a job uh, in like a lab and hating it, kind of, just kind of, you know, she's in a rut. And then uh, she's
2: bored. Not where she thought her life would go.
1: An old friend returns, and this old friend represents madness, in mm-hmm. a, in, in, in a, like you know, re- referring to her old life. And uh, this old friend convinces her to go out, come out for a drink, where um they steal her dad's keys and go and uh, go exploring in a abandoned old factory that used to be a part of their lives in the past. And uh, it ends up uh, kind of turning into like this kind of fun sci-fi adventure and they kind of travel into a portal or something like that. Mm -hmm. But this book, and I don't know if this is indicative of all of um, John Allison's writing, but I just found that the dialogue between the two girls, particularly the kind of, you know, girl from the past that represents danger, Mm -hmm. so exhausting.
2: (laughs) (laughs) He does love a like... It's not. I don't want to say like manic, Pic- manic pixie dream girl because I think that his characters are really well fleshed out, and I think that there's almost like that iceberg thing of there's so much underneath that he's wanting to like bring to the top yep. all the time. I really like it. I've always loved his voice. I dropped off Bad Machinery weirdly once it started being in print. I read it when it was just a web comic throughout like all of high school, so I'm personally very attached to his like style. And I did enjoy this. It was like sort of being reunited with an old friend. Um, and he loves like, I like that he always has lots and lots of female characters. He very rarely does male characters unless they're like weird fishmen, stuff like that. <laughs> um, so it's sort of a, a weird, plucky, again, like kind of girl detective characters are his, his bag. Um, and I really, I really enjoyed, I really enjoyed this personally.
1: Yeah, I mean you could you could level this same criticism at Ryan North, but I just feel very aware that John Allison used to be a webcomic writer. Yeah. And it f- still feels like he's trying to pack as much as he can into every six panels. Yes. Um, even though he has 24 pages to play with in this story. Mm-hmm. And Ryan North's definitely guilty of that too, but I think I might his sense of humor is much more in line with mine that I know that if I read, you know, like six Six boxes that are, you know, half filled with dialogue. I'll be rewarded with a joke that, like, really destroys me. Mm. Whereas these are more like kind of n- chuckles throughout. Yeah, yeah,
2: I would, I would probably agree with that. But this is, I, it definitely appeals to me.
1: I'm going to try and re- catch up with Giant Days and 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 see if that makes me a John Allison fan, and then I might revisit this one day. Cool. That everybody breaking. was a very long edition. Of,
2: oh my we've, god! We've hit the
1: hour mark already. Of uh, of first things first, and if this is your first episode of Serious Issues, uh, you'll know that if you ever want to get into brand new series, first things first is a great way to, uh, you know, to to, to find out what new series are out there, because we reviewed all the new No. 1 nuns every single week. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you want to discuss those books or any other books that we talk about on the show, the best place to do that is on our Facebook group, which is facebook.com slash groups slash Serious Issues Podcast, and mm-hmm. you'll find us and thousands of others who love uh, talking about comic books every single day at all hours of the day.
2: Absolutely. About
1: all kinds of comics. It's great it's fun there. so much fun. Old comics. New comics.
2: Old comics. Comics from the future.
1: Mm, wow. Um, so now we play a very cool game called roll the dice, except we roll the dice all the time. We have a weird spinner thing, Yes,
2: but I haven't written the things on them, but we could just arrange comics around it in a circle.
1: Okay, cool. Okay, cool. So normally we would roll the dice to decide whether we, we review Marvel image or DC. Uh, but instead, and, and, and one of our listeners, Brad gave us a very cool three-sided die that allows Mm -hmm. us to do that as uh, conveniently as possible. But, um, one of our other listeners, Ben. Ben, uh, send us a spinner. So what I'm going to do is artfully arrange. I've got DC on one side. I got yep. I got Marvel on the other, and uh, and I got Image at the top. And I'm going nice. to spin this spinner, and wherever wherever it stops is what we're going to talk about first. And it looks like we're going to talk about DC first. All right. And then after that, we're going to talk about. Ooh, where are we oh going? Oh my with god, the it's
2: so much more dramatic. DC, then
1: Image, then Marvel. Nice. Thank you so much, Ben. For a very cool—that's actually really cool. This it device. is actually
2: really cool. Yep.
1: cool spinner. Everyone, uh, spinners is back. Everybody. I use it all the time. Not fidget spinners. What would you call this? Looks like this is he three D print this for us?
2: No, he said he got it as like a bonus in some
1: box of cereal.
2: Like a like some video game that he pledged on Kickstarter or something. Okay, I don't know.
1: Anyway. awesome. All right, well, let's talk about uh, DC. Well, that's heaps of weird. One of my—I—I I, I must have said Siri something. Oh weird. And, and then uh, it started calling. A Ben in my phone. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> um, anyway, <laughs> um, let's uh, let's talk about DC books. Um, we've got we're going to start with our review of the final issue of New Superman and the Justice League of China.
2: I didn't read this. Oh, Tell no. me about it. This
1: is the uh, final issue of a run that was written by Jean Luen Yang uh, for the entirety, all twenty-four issues of this, uh, and then um, then uh, had art by Brent Peoples. Good name. Um and uh, This book was, yeah, it started out as New Superman, a brand new Superman of China. Uh, And then we met uh, the rest of the cast that would make up the Justice League of China. Um, And my main criticism of this book was that it um, was kind of about too much. You had like these two, like you had the Chinese government and then you had... um, uh, the new Superman's, like his his name is Keenan, but mm-hmm. his his dad is on one side of uh, is in one like secret society, his and then his dad's mother, a rebel
2: and his mum's the government.
1: Yeah, and and it, and then it was also about him focusing his chi mm-hmm. and like uh like avenging the death of his master mm-hmm. who was split into two sides of chi, and it just and then there were just all these other crazy like it was an insane series. Yeah. Um, and uh, I, I Wonder I lo-
2: Woman was a big snake god lady.
1: I love that. That was cool. Um, and Aquaman is uh, a Korean dude who can summon beasts from below. Um, pretty cool. real, f- real fun stuff. But this book was just pretty much all about Keenan Kong um, and uh, the, the t- like basically tuning his Chi and, um, and, and making amends with that he'll never be perfect. That's and nice. it was a really lovely end to this series. Um, and I really hope that he and the other characters of this book will stick around in DC Comics for a while. Um, but if they don't, you have 24 issues of a pretty great series Absolutely. to go back and check out. I think this will read really, really well as one big collection. Mm-hmm. So hopefully you get like, an omnibus or something like that or maybe like two nice 12-issue trades mm-hmm. to check out. But um, And I really hope that Gene Luen Yang is given something else to do at DC too. Yeah, totally. Because uh, he's a great writer and he brought an awesome voice to this comic.
2: Absolutely. And he showed he can just do... Straight up, solid superhero beat-em-up comics. Yeah,
1: definitely. Um, So, well done, everyone involved. This was cool. And uh, if it was a Marvel book, it would have only lasted six issues. But DC gave it 24. (laughs) So, thank you so much for that, DC. Appreciate it. Um, Now, we talk about Batman Detective Comics, issue number 982. Um, Now, I thought this is going to be the first issue written by the new writer, Brian Hill, who we'll talk about later on, Michael Cray but uh, that doesn't start until two weeks from now. Mm-hmm. So we get what we call in the industry a filler issue mm-hmm. um, because James and the fourth's, uh final issue was two weeks ago. Um, so we have a, a, a one-and-done issue uh, written by a writer that I'm not familiar with at all, um, Michael Marici, uh with art by Sebastian Fiamara. Colours by Dave Stewart, appearing again. Very busy this week, Dave. Um, but uh, this book, this issue, sorry, which is called The Cursing of Gotham City, saw the return of... Um, is it uh, Deacon Blackfire, mm-hmm. and he was the main character in Batman: The Cult, like the main bad guy in that, that, right?
2: I think. I Don't know. I haven't read that.
1: I think that was that. It's great. It was a pretty good book. Yeah. Um. And uh, so he's returned uh, to Gotham City to basically um
2: be t- a spooky ghost man and, and
1: take over the body of his young son or grandson. Mm-hmm. Um. And uh, yeah, it's basically like another one. It's like you know, uh, Batman saves Gotham and doesn't doesn't allow. It to become evil, yeah. Because um, he has friends and he believes in himself and in Gotham. But uh, the journey to get there is pretty fun. The artwork is awesome. Yeah. I loved the art on this. The
2: key thing for me, like the issue, was very sort of by the numbers Batman. I would say, like which I but I, I enjoyed. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, by the
1: by the numbers Batman story is very comfortable.
2: Absolutely. Um, but the art is like really gorgeous and like really sort of old school bat like batman as opposed to the superhero sort of batman Mm -hmm. i thought that was really good yeah really nice really really
1: cool and um, it looks very much like a dark horse book which is funny because dave stewart was the colorist on it but that Mm -hmm, was a good choice mm -hmm. Um, so yeah a cool little one and done batman story and we've gotten very little of those recently Mm -hmm. so if uh, you're missing a a one and done batman story in your life uh, go check out detective comics 982 but i'm very much looking forward to brian hill taking over this series me too The Man of Steel, issue number three of six, is uh, the first book that Bendis has ever written for DC. And uh, this third issue featured um, art by Ryan Souk and uh, Jason Fabok with uh, inks by Wade Von Grawbadger and colors by Alex Sinclair. Um, And uh, I thought this was the strongest issue of this series so far.
2: I like this series. I really do. I think Bendis is doing a good job. I like the art in this issue. Even the sort of boring bad guy, you know, that's not that boring
1: yet. Well, yeah, but you know how they made him interesting. He doesn't have any dialogue, and I was like, great. Yeah. At no point does he explain why he's doing any of the things he's doing in this. He goes to the, um, uh, what's it called? The Hall of, what's the Fortress of Solitude? Fortress of Solitude. <laughs> the Hall of Hall Secrets. That <laughs> um, Batman's Fortress of Sol- Solitude uh, is destroyed by this new new being who is going through. Uh, Earth and trying to destroy everything he that remains of He smashed up the Krypton. bottle city
2: of Kandor, so he just killed all the Kryptonians.
1: Yeah, it's pretty crazy.
2: It's pretty mean.
1: Um, and, he seems uh, like a
2: bad guy. Yeah,
1: definitely. Um, and I like that we got Supergirl show up in this. Yep. Um, and and, and no, no it looks like the two of them going up against this new mysterious bad guy.
2: Bendis writes a surprisingly good Supergirl. Totally also agree. A really fun Batman. Yes, definitely. Batman really shows up for a little bit in this, and I really liked Bendis' take on it. Yeah,
1: me too. I really enjoyed that little that little moment with uh, the 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 fire, the fire chief. Yeah, yeah.
2: And there's like the art is just gorgeous, and I like that it's sort of bright, like Superman super heroics. Even though some horrible sort of dark shit happens, it's still sort of. Bright.
1: It's so classic, though, as well. Yes. Like it's it's not really t- like you know breaking the mold of what a Superman story is or will be at any point. But it, because no. it's weekly, I'm just like, oh, cool, yeah. Looking forward to the next chapter next week. Bring it on. Absolutely. Yeah. So yeah, this is, this is a surprise. This series actually, um, the Man of Steel issue three, and it's definitely my favorite issue of the of the run so far.
2: Nice. Um, I wish it
1: teased who the next artist was at the end of each issue. Same. But please, but, don't do that. Give me some teasers, DC. Mister um, Miracle issue number nine of twelve.
2: I've stopped reading this. you stopped reading this one?
1: Yeah. Oh, damn.
2: It was um, just making me, like,
1: sad. Yeah, it's glum. And it's gl- grim. I don't it like just being
2: glum. endlessly negative about something that everyone else enjoys. Sure. So, p- please enjoy it, you uh, idiots.
1: <laughs> um, so, uh, Mr. Miracle and Big Barda are in Apocalypse now, um, basically sitting down with Calaback, trying to make an agreement. So that to end war, basically, Mm. and Kalabak is speaking on behalf of Darkseid, and look, there's moments. So much of this is just always like, oh, you thought this was going to be this big, crazy adventure. Well, turns out their life is just as banal as yours. Yeah, Um, and it has you know just like long periods of silence and and difficult kind of discussion. Uh, oh,
2: how interesting. He seems to be employing a nine-panel page structure. That's really different for Tom King. How out of the ordinary for him.
1: To be fair, every single issue has. Yeah, I know. <laughs>
2: um,
1: but uh, at one point, a character um, tells a story. Like, basically, they, they walk, walk over a pit and he hawks a loogie into the pit. Cool. And then as he tells this long story about one time uh, uh, dating Michelangelo, sorry, Leonardo, um, and then tells tells a story that he was told while dating him about an apprentice and, a, and, a, and an artist. We Wait, just follow. Who
2: was dating Michelangelo?
1: Um, this extremely well dressed Spaniard. <laughs> I don't know who that
2: guy is. What? Is-
1: but that fits good.
2: Yeah, no, it sounds great.
1: But um, anyway, he, he hocks a loogie as you were just trying to do that. Yes. <laughs> um, and uh, for for about fifteen panels, we just focus on the loogie as it slowly descends down the pit. So I'm I reckon that the Lugie should be one of DC's New Age of Heroes characters. Yes, agreed. Just a big sentient ball of phlegm. Sounds nice. That can tell stories about dating Leonardo at some point. Sounds better than this comic. uh, What I do love about this issue and all the all the issues so far, like you you get these you know extremely sad moments and like you know meditative. PTSD influence m- moments. But then and, uh, on the last page after like, you know, some horrible thing is revealed on the page prior to it, the narrator takes over mm-hmm. and it's like a narrator um, uh, that you would expect f- from an actual Kirby book. Uh, or like a, like
2: a 1940s serial.
1: Yeah, totally. And I kind of just wish that, I think it would be a lot less heavy as an experience or less over the top of experience. Like if you brought on that super over the top narrator throughout more of the book instead of just the final page. Yeah, yeah, totally. But that, that's it. It works as a fun little splash, and yeah, you know, I, I totally respect that. This is not everybody's thing. Um, it's almost everybody's thing, by the sounds of it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, but
2: I love being contrary.
1: Yeah, no, I'm, I'm with you. I I, 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 see. I roll my eyes at moments of this book, or I laugh at moments that I'm not meant to laugh at. Maybe. Yeah. But I do. This is. I would. Pref- I prefer Tom King doing this than I do his Batman
2: at the moment. Yes. <laughs>
1: Uh, so let's talk about... I'm
2: w- devastated that I didn't get time to read this issue because like in a week with a sort of version of Big Barter that I, I find no joy in, this looked like a very joyous, evil version of Big Barter on the front cover of this issue. Is oh, it not Big Barda? It's Wonder Woman. Oh, so what I'm about to like talk about like
1: is Wildstorm's Michael Cray um, written by Brian Hill and with Warren Ellis and art by N. Stephen Harris, Dexter Vines and Ross Campbell. This is the best... This uh, uh, and Stephen Harris's uh, art has looked so far in the series I don't know what maybe different finishes but it looks amazing mm, it and really um, this uh this this issue ends in an allegiance between Michael Cray what this this new corporate version of Wonder Woman uh, introduced in this world and this incredible take on uh, on Constantine uh, at the end as he's portrayed by um, everyone that he's worked with um, up to now, but it, uh, we once th- saw that maybe Constantine was the worst, worst bad guy he had gone up against so far. Uh, it now looks like they, they, he's going to help Michael Cray. It's, there's so much going on in this book. I thought this is just going to be like a monster of the month, um, where you mm. know he, he he tracks down a beloved DC character and kills them by the end of the issue. But it's 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 transcended into so much more than that. It's and, a really uh, clever book. It's really really good.
2: I'm so excited to see what Brian Hill does on. Um detective i think he's like shown he has a really fun grasp of the dc universe mm-hmm. as well as like being good at sort of quiet character moments yep. like good character development and yeah i'm, I'm on board definitely so yes. i'm making it serious without making it like grim and making me want to kill myself yeah exactly
1: totally cool issue um so you should definitely check it out michael cray through Wildstorm and dc um finally from dc's young animal imprint i read eternity girl issue number
2: Ah, what an issue
1: Yeah, this is a this is brilliant uh, Written by Magdalen Visaggio With art by Sunny Liu And colours by Chris Chukri. Um This has been about like uh, An elemental um, metahuman mm-hmm. Who has the power to end all humanity But not the power to kill herself mm-hmm. um, And she learns that The only way to kill herself once and for all Is to end all, all humanity And the universe itself And so
2: And not just our universe All universes so All versions of herself Throughout time and space
1: and so this issue is kind of, uh, the prelude is a, a DJ, um, kind of explaining like, DJing. <laughs> de- explaining, yeah. Like, you know, like playing, playing two songs at once, but mm. as a way of a metaphor for, uh, different universes at once. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and then we see different takes on this, uh, a fight between two characters, uh, but through different lenses, depending on the multiverse that you're watching, like the part of the universe that you're watching the fight from. Mm -hmm. And each version is a new art style. And we see Sunny Liu show off such an incredible range of artistic styles. There's a Tank Girl uh, inspired a couple of pages. There's a Peanuts Mm -hmm. um, double spread, which is fantastic. There's Um,
2: like a Kirby-ish.
1: Yeah, um, there's like golden age stuff. There's like a really um, kind of uh, clean, almost anime style. Yeah. Um, man, this was clever, knockout art wise. Just so so good. I'm not sure what happens at the end of this issue at all, but I think you know, given that there's two more issues of this left, that doesn't really matter.
2: Absolutely. Um,
1: but this was uh, this is a, a hell of a ride, and uh, kind of showed how good this series could be. That I'm with yeah. It's only going to be a sixty-two limited series.
2: But I'm so excited by what Magdalene Visaggio has done with this book and I'm excited to see what she does next. Mm-hmm. So cool.
1: And Sunny Liu is on my Read Everything They Do uh, list now. For sure. Very, very great art. Good cover too. Eternity Girl. Um, I wasn't sure. I wasn't too crash out on it when it started, but I love this book now. Yeah. Um, so now we are going to talk about image books and I've only got two of them. Same. Um, they are Dry County by Rich Tommaso, wrote and drew this book. Um, The first in his series featuring the character Lou Rossi, who is a uh, wannabe detective slash cartoonist slash film critic for a a newspaper that is slowly dying. Mm -hmm. Um, And uh, this is kind of him badly trying to find a girl that he was once involved with, who he thinks is being kidnapped.
2: Yes. I love how um, slow moving this story is. Yes. Because like... His girlfriend's been kidnapped. Oh, no, I'm going to secretly put a message in my once-a-week strip in the newspaper and wait for a response. Thank you. That's it's, great. And, and
1: even and it will cost me my job, but I'm still going to do it. Yeah. yeah. Um, this is so weird and, and, and strange that, like, it has one issue left and part of me is like, I don't think he's going to find the girl and I won't even address that whatsoever.
2: Mm. Almost, yeah.
1: Yeah, because it's, it's mostly just a character study of this Lou Rossi guy. I love it. Um, and, uh, yeah, um, this, this has a time jump in it. Mm-hmm. Not not a, not a massive one, but uh, the it takes a turn towards the end, and I genuinely don't know how this book is going to wrap up. Me neither. Um, but it's it's been a really really fun and interesting ride, and uh, I I love that you know every every new book that um, Rich Tommaso does the art style almost you know changes completely, and the color style on this is is really great too. Um, it's
2: just super clever, and all of his books are so satisfying to read individually.
1: Yes, definitely. Um, and also, he, he's good at writing characters that aren't as a whole likeable. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Just sort you, of like real feeling, no hopers. Yeah,
1: totally. So, yeah, I'm definitely enjoying uh, Dry County and looking forward to that final issue. Uh, another image book I read this week, it was Analog, issue number three. This is uh, Jerry Duggan's uh, latest uh, book and uh, features, oh, damn it, he doesn't write the names of the full creators on it, but it's uh, O'Sullivan. Someone O'Sullivan and someone Spicer on uh, art and colors on this book. And um this was uh had some grisly moments in it. Yeah. Because because this is a world of uh like assassins and messengers in a world where uh everyone's secrets have been exposed so no one uses the internet anymore. Mm-hmm. Um and uh Yeah, it it it's it's doing great world building um through the eyes of our main character. Absolutely. Um at a at a really nice pace. Um and uh gives you moments of, of kind of hope and, and happiness. Uh, Amidst all the grim, shitty, dystopian future story that it's telling, Um, so so it's not not just like ugh, this slog. Like, how much worse? How much worse can it get? Yeah, it gives you. It it gave you know to have a a win of some sorts in the third issue of a story like this. It feels good.
2: Absolutely. Yeah, and to have him sort of realizing that he needs a way out of this this life, sort of gives you that. False hope that maybe he will make it out.
1: Yeah, I have similar thoughts when I've got like 25 comics to read and mm. we're about to record in five minutes, but mm-hmm. yeah, we get through, we pull through. We did it. Um, You're welcome. Marvel now, um, you didn't read many, but do you want to start no. with a book that I didn't read?
2: Uh, sure thing. New Mutants, Dead Souls, written by Matt Rosenberg, with art by Adam Gorham, colours by Michael Garland. So this is like the, the super cool blah, 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 whatever team um, Okay. Of Whatever. I'm sorry. I've like I didn't. It's like, eat...
1: it's like if what if the X Men were Ghostbusters?
2: Kind of, yeah. yeah. But um, all they all had cool haircuts. So this is the team <laughs> led by Magic, Iliana, Rasputin, with Richter, Boom Boom, Strong Guy, and Wolf Spain. Um, and the end of last issue saw a plane go down with Richter and Magic in it, and we realize that at the last second, Magic escaped, but she couldn't get to Richter in time. And so we go through the whole funeral we see Richter's funeral and then i don't really understand what happens but there's a time jump to the past and she's on the plane again and she saves Richter okay which is good and it's all someone's evil twin or something who's a bad guy (laughs) who reminds me of a villain from i don't know um but like this I'm i'm doing such a bad job of describing it but this is a really good comic and it's a fun X-Men comic in a time where there's not really many good X-Men comics. Um, and Rosenberg probably writes the best version of Kitty Pride where she actually has a personality right. and she's only in it for like two pages, <laughs> but he nails it um, and it's good fun. And I'm interested to see where he's going with this character. whose name is, is it Warlock? Yes. Um, anyway, I quite enjoyed this.
1: So if you had to choose between this or X-Men Red and you could only choose one X-Comic coming out right now, what would you choose?
2: Oh, that's really tough.
1: That's good. Just You can just leave it as that's really tough. That's a good answer. Yeah.
2: yeah. I think that this is kind of more in line with like a Grant morrison X X-Men, uh-huh. um, whereas X-Men writers are just a bit more down the line, yep. straight up Jim Lee-ish X-Men. Cool. Um, yeah.
1: So this week saw the final issue, uh, the longest time coming, final mm. issue of uh, a Marvel series ever, and that was the final issue of S.H.I.E.L.D. by Jonathan Hickman, Dustin Weaver, and Sonia Obak.
2: Okay, um, I didn't get to this because I barely understood the last issue, and I want to sit down and read the whole thing from I start to finish again. I highly
1: recommend you doing that. If anyone that's like tapped out and uh, hasn't reread to catch up on what this series is about, and from the start too, you, have got to read the previous volume of this. So yeah. it's 12 issues all up. Yeah. Um, This is uh, kind of this crazy story that kind of suggests that S.H.I.E.L.D. has been around for as long as history has, basically. Um, And uh, we have characters, like, you know, actual characters that existed, like um, Isaac Newton and Michelangelo and Leonardo, all being members of S.H.I.E.L.D. at some point. And uh, the entirety of this this, uh, kind of big battle uh, is a final uh, kind of battle of the minds between Sir Isaac Newton um, after he's killed Nostradamus um and uh uh, it's him versus Michelangelo um and uh another um another character called Leonid um and it's this crazy thing like showing multiple futures and different worlds and it's just like absolutely brilliant Jonathan Hickman nonsense yeah basically um but uh while it didn't quite live up to how fantastic this series was when it started! I think it is a really, really satisfying end. And even though I only re- recently, um, only recently reread everything, I probably will reread it all again now that the final issue is here, so I can do it all in one hit. Yeah, nice. It's a cool series. And I think this will definitely like be quite celebrated a few years from now as sure. one of Hickman's best. It is something so fun about seeing someone so gifted write a story featuring not even featuring characters that you are that familiar with, but just you know within that sandbox.
2: Absolutely, it's a cool concept. I went back and started uh, rereading his Fantastic Four run from the beginning. Oh, I've been meaning um, to do that. When I was on holiday, I was like, i pulled all these books off the shelf. Like, I'm going to do all my holiday reading. And I got like one trade into it and was like, whoa, this is so complicated. <laughs> um, but I'm, I'm determined to keep reading it because it's so good and fun.
1: Awesome. Um, the second issue of Donny Cates and Ryan Stegman's Venom Run.
2: Ah, tell me about it.
1: Well, uh, I have to because you didn't get around to reading this because yeah. you said at the start that it's one of your favorite books, but you didn't read it. Yep. Um, but uh, yeah, Venom uh, is. We kind of learnt last issue um, that Venom's have existed uh, throughout history in a way that Bloodshots have existed throughout history in the Valiant universe, and used it. as instruments of war. Um, but also that we are learning about like kind of where the symbiote comes from initially, and it's um, something very very dark. And there's a massive symbiote dragon now flying through New York. Um, oh no and i was like oh you know this is kind of fun i guess but do i really care and then the final issue um just as uh venom is about to jump in and and, and join the fight um he's about to get kicked in the head by miles morales oh, cool. and i'm like oh fuck you, yeah, i'm here for that yeah, that right, sounds fun. That. <laughs> um so you, you, you've done it again um Tony cates he just is you know, he, he just he just is good at telling fun stories and he's a master of, of the like,
2: final page reveal that yep. makes you go like, oh, I have to keep reading exactly. this.
1: Um, I read Exiles number no. 4 by Saladin Ahmed with um, terrific art by Javier Rodriguez and Alvaro Lopez and colors by Chris O'Halloran. Um, this is the book featuring uh, Blink and a team of uh, Marvel heroes that she's found throughout many universes um, kind of being transported world to world and uh it's a bit flavor of the monthy, um, in that mm. they kind of get, get transported to a world, solve a problem, and then, have uh, blinked somewhere else. Yeah, and it's
2: the sort of getting the team together phase, right?
1: Yeah, and th- that would be like fine if it was like a fun, kind of breezy read, but there's, you know, and this it's is is, dense. This is, there's so much text in in this book, especially when it's, you know, Javier Rodriguez is such an incredible artist. You're and
2: really covering up a lot of great, <laughs> great yeah. art with those word balloons.
1: And I just there yeah, I, I, too much, too much backstory, too much kind of like there's background of everything. But like you know, th- th- there's so many fun moments in this. Like because th- it's a it is a pirate issue in the 1700s. That's uh, about how bad slavery is. But uh, oh. Blackbeard, <laughs> the pirate, is actually the thing. Yep. Um, if you've you may have seen that image in multiple uh, Marvel comics throughout time of the thing as a pirate. Mm-hmm. This is him as a pirate, and uh, other members of his crew include um cap uh. Scarlet Falcon, Sam Wilson, oh, cool, um, and then we have uh, Mercedes Knight, um, Rebecca Barnes, the first mate. <laughs> um, it's and it's really really fun, but yeah, I guess like like so it should be a lot more fun than it is. They also feat, um they also uh, fight the Juggernautical <laughs> oh, over a that's... brilliant double page spread that Whoa. just allows Rodriguez to really shine. But I don't know, I, it, it's just something about there being. Too many characters, and it for mm. the writing being a bit more convoluted than it need than it should be, um, I don't enjoy this. Like I like, I, and I haven't from the start. I keep yeah. waiting for it to kind of to to get comfortable to get with it. Exactly, <laughs> yeah, but you know, now there's one issue of this left. So I will I will read the final issue. I just wish this was brisker.
2: Yeah, I sort of wish that he'd spent less time brisker brisk. Just I wish he'd spend less time getting the team together, and he just. Mm launched into some adventures because you assume that anyone who's picking up that book they can get their head around who these characters are you don't need to do that much oh
1: no but it's it's all world building for these worlds that we're only in for one issue well yeah and explain, yeah it's 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 weird and and what what is weird is that they they're like blinking from world to world but it's like they keep adding to their party it's still the same five members that we met in the in the first two issues
2: yeah weird yeah
1: Whatever, it looks like we get a young Nick Fury in the next book, next issue, the final issue, so yeah, Which Nick Fury? Um, the one who's now old and huh. the Watcher, whatever cool. the book is. Yeah. Um, Quicksilver No Surrender is another book written by Saladin Ahmed. Um, this one features uh, art by somebody. Such
2: weird art.
1: Yeah, I'm not a fan of this book as a whole. I don't think I'm going to read any more of it. Um, Eric Nguyen. Weird. I really, I kind of enjoyed his um, his art on the, on the weekend book. They read it at the start of the of It's The Colors. Yeah, colours by Rico Renzi, who I normally really like, with C Brunner. But I think there's like weird digital parts. Um, but this is like yeah, so Quicksilver is stuck in in this you know s- slip in time mm-hmm. where everyone around him is going extra slow, and he's got to like race through time to kind of stop these reflections of himself from hurting people that are dear to him in his life. But there's no evidence like there, there, no, nothing's really emerged. Regarding a plot so far, it just yeah. kind of feels like busy work in a video game. Mm. Um, so, I don't, I don't, I don't know. I just struggled to kind of care about this series. So, I don't think I'm going to read any more of it. I usually
2: struggle to care about Quicksilver comics. I really like
1: Quicksilver. Nice. I don't know. I can't explain why. Um, <laughs> no one can. <laughs> Domino, issue number three. Again, written by uh, another one by Gail Simone. With art by David Baldion and Jesus Obertov.
2: Such fun art.
1: Yeah. Um, it's really, really fun art. And um, for the most part pretty good character work but again like the team's too big um,
2: there's only three people in yeah, it yeah
1: but I, I guess they're also doing flashbacks I don't know th- I, I was just like ah, oh, maybe this is it for me but then there's a final reveal of uh, she ditches her team at the end yeah and there's a brilliant final reveal of one of my fa- like you know favourite Z-list Marvel characters mm-hmm. who I wish was used more and so it looks like the next issue is going to have Shang-Chi in it
2: hell yeah, yeah. and I
1: love Shang-Chi um, i
2: Gail Simone just makes me laugh so much. Yeah. I love her; she's yeah, yeah. so hilarious. And no one's ever made the point that like Shang Chi is really, really hot, and it <laughs> makes Domino really uncomfortable. I thought that was good fun. Yeah. But this book is almost ruined by the covers. Like, I just don't know how this book is going to find its audience with like really inappropriate, confusing Greg Land covers that have three sexy women in a getaway car with money coming out. Like, it has nothing to do with the issue inside. Yeah, totally. And they
1: and all have stupid boobs. <laughs>
2: Like just idiot boobs, (laughs) boobs that don't know how to do math, boobs that can't can't do anything. But you know what, Siobhan, these boobs
1: make more money than you and me combined. That's
2: a good point. I wish I had dumb boobs. (laughs) My boobs are too smart to make money. I
1: was gonna I was gonna call this episode Blandry Blevins, but now (laughs) I'm thinking maybe I should call it I wish I had dumb boobs. No, we always have (laughs) we always
2: have dirty (laughs) titles, then I get in trouble.
1: Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm enjoying this Domino series. It's fun.
2: Yeah, it is good. Fuck Galsman's A gem.
1: She's great. Uh, very smart boobs.
2: Like genius level boobs.
1: Uh, Hunt for Wolverine continues with the Adamantium Agenda, issue oh, number two. God. Um,. You know, reading ravers. this one. Uh, this is a good one. This it is. It sold
2: out before I could get to it. Oh wow, that's crazy. Isn't that weird?
1: Tom Taylor wrote this one with pencils by Arby Silva, inks by Adriano De Benedetto, and colors by Guru FX. Um, and uh, yeah, this is the one where um old characters from the New Avengers team, so Spidey, uh, Jessica Jones, and Luke Cage and Iron Man, have gone have teamed up to go and um. Infiltrate a, um, a black market auction in which uh, the DNA code to who they presume is Wolverine is being auctioned off oh, but yeah. they quickly learn that it's actually the code for uh, the daughter of, uh, of, of Luke and Jess um, and hilariously no one wants to bid for it no one cares so Tony just buys it for 30000 nice <laughs> thanks Tony um, but yeah then they learn more about the auction who's running it and who else is there and there's some fun twists it's cool, cool. Yeah, it's, uh, this is this is far and away the best of these miniseries so far. I'm pretty sure I've dropped two of them anyway. So yeah. But uh, yeah, this is, this one's really, really good. Tom, Tom Taylor, Taylor is
2: good at this stuff.
1: Yeah. And look, that, that's a Greg Land cover on the front, but that's a pretty good one. Right? Where's
2: the boobs? How can you tell it's a Greg Land cover without the boobs? Does
1: Wolverine have dumb boobs or smart boobs? Let us know. Call us now. 1-800-Booberine. 1-800-Booberine. <laughs> Call her nice. now.
2: Also, Greg Land notoriously um, copies from porn. Mm-hmm. That's... That's how we all know Greg Land. So what what porno is that from?
1: Yeah, what, what porno does, uh, does a hairy Canadian man stab a, a, a disembodied robot. robot head with his adamantium claws?
2: Send it to us. Please. <laughs>
1: or direct it for us. <laughs> um, Horrifying. The, the Unbeatable Squirrel Girl, issue number 33, came out this week, written by Ryan North, with art by Derek Charm and Rico Renzi. Shimon. All it took was two issues, and I am completely used to Derek Charm drawing yeah, I, know, right? I and almost I'm, forgot. And I'm completely sorry for being like, you know, like seemingly against that when he started last month. Totally. Um, this is this is great. This book is still excellent, um, and yep. his iterations of the characters are awesome. And and I, you know, I, I've already completely remembered whoever. Went, like it's just I'm used I'm used to it.
2: It's yep. great. He draws a great Craven.
1: Um, Craven's hilarious, and I love it when like I, I don't always because this is a comedy book. I, I'm, I'm always surprised when there's a to be continued at the end. Mm. Um, and I forgot that this is carrying on from the great um, issue, last issue, where they uh, kind they're of they're in an escape room. They're in, a, in, an, in an escape room with Craven, the hunter, and and uh, and Nancy's other sorry, and uh, Dorian's other friends. Uh, they've all got to combine their powers to get out of the escape rooms. Uh, then they, you know, they, they, they get out of it. Um, it. It was all put together by a hilarious kind of throwback character that I've not thought about in a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, at the end of it, um, Craven is arrested um, for being Craven, and uh, Doreen and or Squirrel Girl and her friends kind of jump to his aid and this issue ends with them all being arrested too. And that's just, just a really, really clever thing to do in a Squirrel Girl comic and I'm looking totally. forward to seeing... You know how they get out of prison,
2: and it remains hilarious and great. And Derek Thomas really nailing the physical comedy.
1: Yeah, definitely. I love like yeah, Coy Boy and Chipmunk Hunk yes. and, and Brain Drain all having great kind of character development. Absolutely in this book too. Yeah, so fun. Who's and, and who's Chipmunk Hunk's girlfriend who has like a insane knowledge of diffusing bombs? <laughs> yeah, yeah, <they're> like really. <laughs> <laughs> And also I love that, yeah, the reveal that she can chew through steel. Yes. That was great too.
2: Schoolgirl's least known power. (laughs) So good.
1: Really, really great. Um, so, uh, yeah, look, if anyone was worried, Unbeatable Squirrel Girl is still unbeatable. Mm-hmm. Very, very good stuff. Our final Marvel book for the week is Star Wars Darth Vader, issue number 17, written by Charles Soule and um, art by Giuseppe Camincoli, with art b- finishes by Danielle Orlandini and colors by David Curiel. Um, I've said multiple times that this uh, is easily the best Star Wars book on the stands, and uh, this only further made me think that. Um not quite as exciting as uh, the last few moments of the last issue um, which was in which uh, one of the characters said execute order 66 we see the aftermath of that exclamation and uh, it's cool um, but like it's it's kind of a bummer because this is Darth Vader's book and anyone that tries to stand up to Darth Vader is not going to win mm, um, <laughs> true. and uh, I think yeah for the first time ever they managed to Kind of introduce a more interesting character to me than Darth Vader himself, so I was mm. a bit bummed to see him to see him not, not last the end of this issue, but of course it's you know it's Vader's book. I get it. Of course. Um, and this kind of explains, kind of gives you a backstory for the Mon Calamari, Admiral Akbar's people. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, are they really
2: called the Mon Calamari? Uh huh. The Mon Cal. Yeah. Cool.
1: Um, and yeah, it's a it's it's a, it's a bummer, but you know Darth Vader, he's not a good guy.
2: Not a not a good guy, until the end. Maybe he's a good guy.
1: Yeah, Is it, it, does
2: it, it make up for all of the deaths?
1: Maybe, maybe he's a, he's a great dad. If I will give him a chance, happy Father's Day, Darth Vader. <laughs> um, so now we move on to the final other. throws of this show: the other publishers section. Uh, and uh, do you want to start with one that we both read?
3: Yeah, let's,
2: Let, do,
1: it. let's do Lemire Corner.
2: Oh. Yes, Let's okay. Let's get
1: sad, everybody. Oh,
2: man. Bloodshot
1: Salvation, issue number 10, written by Jeff Lemire with art by Doug Braithwaite, Geordie Belair, and Salmon Boland on color, on letters. Yep. Um, this is uh, uh, dealing with... Uh, Bloodshot is currently... um, He made a deal with a devil. Mm-hmm. To save his daughter, and his daughter returns to uh, to his, uh, her mother, uh, except now she's like a young girl. She's aged, yep. You know, uh, quite, quite a few years. Classic comic book, they've aged her up. Um, and uh, she her kind of powers have manifested. She, she can, is
2: also a bloodshot.
1: Yes, and she can take in information at rapid speeds. Um, and upon learning that she uh, survives uh, the terrible government agency are coming after her.
2: Yeah, because they're like, we own all those nanites. They're our nanites. Give me back my nanites.
1: Meanwhile, Bloodshot has been transported to come good on his deal um, with the devil. Mm-hmm. But, um, uh, and he has to kill somebody in the year 4002. Um I love that there's always... They love the 4000 AD stuff. Yeah. Oh, that's just a part... That's like the Savage Land totally. in, in Valiant Comics. Um But, well, actually, no, more more, more likely it's... um. 2099
2: or like Age of Future Past or yeah or any
1: of the men yeah sure uh, Age of Apocalypse even you understand fellas <laughs> um, but yeah this was a this was a really really great book and a great fun turn <laughs> yeah it looks like um, like, it's good to have a, a, a lot of focus on magic in yes. this issue because I like her as a character a lot and um, her now ro- it's
2: her and Jesse on the road trying to outrun Omen yep Good fun. I like that a lot.
1: And someone's taken over the mind of, uh, or possessed the body of, uh, of Bloodshot's dog,
2: Bloodhound. Bloodhound.
1: There's so much going on in this in this series. It's so good to think that this actually this is only like the twentieth issue of whatever of Lemire's long, long, you know, run mm. of, on Bloodshot, and he's managed to do so much.
2: He makes it so like the maybe t- maybe scale 30. that he works on is so epic, yep. but then it's all down to these sort of family mini character moments. Yep. he's so clever.
1: And uh, Doug Braithwaite doing great stuff on art too.
2: Yeah, absolutely. It's good stuff. But
1: the me book that maybe I enjoyed the most this oh, week. Oh,
2: God. I think enjoyed is like a Cheer tough off. word. I, like, I, I was genuinely in tears. The, the Ice, I the ice Queen
1: herself let out a gasp I've never heard her make. Mm and then uh, wiped away a tear from her eye mm. as, she, as she finished reading this. Uh, Dr. Star and the Kingdom of Lost Tomorrows, issue number four, through Dark Horse, from the world of Black Hammer, written by Jeff Lemire, with art by Max Fiamara and uh, Dave Stewart on Colours. This, uh, of course, told the tragic story of uh, Dr. Star, who uh, leaves his family for, in his mind, a couple of hours as he travels across Dimension to, uh, to fight some monsters, and then returns, and he's missed...
2: Their whole lives. Their whole
1: lives, and uh, you know, his 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 son's grown up now, and is I think older than he is. Mm. Um, and uh, at the at the beginning of this series, we learned that his son is dying of cancer, and um, Doctor Star spent this series trying to make it right, and uh, this ending was Ugh. just a real real kick to the guts.
2: Yeah, God, so sad, so sad, but so like so perfectly paced and structured and such a like really genuinely touching sad moment Yeah, and I like like Tom King's whole not just like constantly (laughs) rag on Tom King but Tom King's whole thing is like dealing with the repercussions of being a superhero and I think that Jeff Lemire in one issue has done such a better job of that whole idea and done it with real heart and real soul and real stuff to it I don't yeah. really know how to explain it but the art on this as well it doesn't
1: feel cheap whereas Tom King yes. frequently does yes um, and, and, you know, it didn't always but now we've seen him kind of do the same tricks quite a few times mm. just with different skins and it is yeah like you know you're either into that song or you're not yeah um, whereas you know Lemire doesn't always go down this road
2: but know. when he does He's going to make you cry.
1: And, he, yeah, like, we, we will do our ranking the saddest Lemire comics. Yeah, yeah. Um, And this would be pretty fucking high up on this that This is list. the one
2: that's made me... I don't... Like, maybe it's because I didn't eat lunch and I had two coffees, everyone. But, um... This made me cry harder than like any Lemia comic ever has, and
1: all this speaks so much on parenthood. So there's probably part of part of yourself know, I'm in such that a character. Fucking
2: sucker, now. <laughs> um, the art by Max Fiamara is also excellent. Yes, yeah, so he's good. related to Sebastian Fiamara.
1: Good work, Fiamaras. You did it, way better than the Blevins' efforts this week. Absolutely. Stupid drunk maze. Um, so uh, let's talk about the boom now Mm -hmm. Um, but first uh, just yeah again a recommendation when this trade comes out even if you've not read The Black Hammer this totally exists on its own and it's brilliant Dr. Star and the Kingdom of Lost Tomorrow is uh, just an excellent Little window into this world that Jeff Lemire is doing right now. Mm-hmm. Um, so, Boom gave us Mech Cadet U, issue number nine this week, written by Greg Pak, with art by Takeshi Miyazawa and Jessica Colin. This is uh, Greg Pak's kind of tribute to uh, Japanese mech comics and cartoons, mm-hmm. and uh, this is the the big war as uh, as uh, the the few mechs left on the world go go head to head with um, the invading bug forces. Big crab. The Sharg. Shrug, whatever it is um and uh yeah it, it's you know it kind of deals with sacrifice and mm-hmm. and decisions and mm-hmm. a- aligning yourself to to different parties um this is really really great i really would love to see this as a cartoon one day yeah it's really really good but like this is like a, a cart- an animated movie which mm-hmm. is the mm-hmm. last thing that will ever get made but agreed um uh this is real great shit it feels like it's reaching it's last throws but there's no like to be concluded or anything at the end of it so who knows
2: it's one of those cool books where it could totally work if they just wrap up this sort of arc and it'll exist on its own mm. but it's also something that they could sort of continue on indefinitely yes definitely and Greg Pack is extremely good at long runs so I'd like That's to see true, actually, continue yeah. This. good point um, I read issue 2 of Coda by Simon Spurrier with incredible art by Matthias Bagara with colors by Michael Doig. Um and I don't think I'm going to do justice to this book properly because I read it so quickly and I would love to have had the f- previous issue next to it mm-hmm. at the same time but this is a a book um about a sort of traveling warrior-esque guy who is trying to get back to his wife or do something for his wife. Um Writing her a letter along well, Yeah, writing her a letter. Exactly. And it's sort of interesting in this because it's implied that he's maybe a bit of an unreliable narrator to his own story. And another character indicates that. Um, And it's sort of like a crazy, classic Simon Spurrier, semi-magic, semi-sci-fi world. But the art on this is so beautiful. It's so gorgeous. It's like an incredible European with all these sort of Sherbity pastels Sherbity pastels you know what I mean it's just gorgeous um, and I really enjoy it if you like sort of um, if you like maestros if you like things like that I think this is something that would appeal to you um, and I I enjoy it yeah I love maestros as much as it's slightly impenetrable in a classic size barrier fashion that's what I mean I think
1: I, I, I got a few pages into this and I was like what happened in the first one again yeah and there's moments that I really love. Obviously, I love the artwork and I even love like, you know, the main character, but I just think this would be so much better in trade. So yeah. if I do ever read it, it will be in trade, not in not an issue to issue because I just won't remember important details.
2: I think that's a fair point. And like size barrier books, I like that a little bit. I think that they take a bit of effort and like work mm-hmm. and I don't feel like I do that necessarily justice because we're reading so many books in the podcast, but um, it's something that I would love to pick up later and revisit.
1: Awesome. Well, that is it for the show this week, Shavon. We did it. We did it. Um, you've got you got you got a sheet of paper featuring comics that are coming out next week. Yeah, I haven't I thought even was bought, that's uh, Next week's. No, that was last, week's. last week. Last week's. Oh well. Hey, exactly Jim. How my desk is, everyone. Jim, what's one comic coming out next week? Jim's not here. No comics coming out. Everybody. Uh, ha- right. Have a week off. Uh, go outside. Kick a ball. Yep. Um, see if you can still uh, do the monkey bars at your local park. I can't. I can now. I couldn't a year ago. Now I can. That's impressive. Pretty good. Pretty fucking good. Um, <laughs> I uh, hope everyone has a great week and manages to read um, the appropriate amount of comic books for their own lifestyle. Absolutely,
2: and good luck on your week of many podcasts.
1: Thank you so much again. The secret message for this episode is ww. What could it be? The beginning of. We'll never know.
2: Blevins.com.
1: <laughs> you blew it. You've given it all away. <laughs> uh, thank <laughs> you so much for listening. You can find us online, facebook.com slash Serious Issues Podcast or on Twitter at Serious underscore underscore Issues. Um, you can find Siobhan on there at C B G, or me on there at LevDog. That's on Twitter or Instagram. Come and mm-hmm. say hello. We love hearing from you. Absolutely. And uh, we have a Patreon should you ever want to support the show and gain access to um, uh, some bonus Boy, episodes. Yes. Uh, I'm, I'm I'm almost finished enough trades for to warrant recording a new trades issue yeah. of serious issues. I've been. Again, some good ones. That's the, I think that's the thing. I'm like I would kind of just rather read trades <laughs> at the moment.
2: <laughs> I know. <laughs>
1: Getting more out of one story than you know 24 pages at a time, but. uh We'll be, doing it. we'll be doing another episode of that very soon. There's already about 10 or so already mm-hmm. up there. Mm-hmm. Um, Patreon.com slash Serious Issues Podcast is where you, you want to go. A couple bucks to support the show. Uh, makes us feel better about dedicating our life to reading for you.
2: Make us feel good. <laughs> I mean, I already feel pretty good. Yeah, like, it's, you like, know, okay. it's,
1: a, it's a privileged life, Shimon. Absolutely. But, uh, you, know, you, you have the knowledge of knowing that uh, with every dollar you give to us, it's our children uh, being able to relieve themselves in a nice, fresh nappy.
2: I really didn't know where you were going with that, but that's lovely. I,
1: I write the names of all of our Patreon supporters on a nappy yeah. a, a, before I put them on my daughter. That's beautiful. Mm, I know it is. Thank you so much, Patreon supporters. <laughs> uh, anyway, thank you so much for listening, and we will see you next week. Thanks, guys. Bye.
3: Bye.
1: This podcast is part of the Planet Broadcasting Network.
3: Visit planetbroadcasting.com for more podcasts from our great mates. I mean, if you want. It's, it's up to you.
0: Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm.